Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Joe, how you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I got a little little bit of a FOMO with the World Series coming up with having a child and not going to be there the entire time this summer for the first time ever. So, you know, that's uh, I'm sort of figuring that all out. I'm sure you're gearing up for your Mr. World Series, man. I think you're like the poster boy for the WSOP. So you got to get be getting very excited. What's uh, what's the plans for that coming up? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I leave the 28th. I'll be out there grinding the whole, whole World Series. It's like the only tournaments I really grind all year long. So Pretty excited. Haven't played a lot of poker um, since, at least a lot of tournaments. How's the kid, though? That has to be exciting. I mean... it's good, man. It's one month in. This is my first time, like being away for, in a, you know, for a little bit, and I'm gonna be back Monday, and then figure out when when gonna be there and and back for the World Series, probably going in and out. So yeah, it's great. It's it's really exciting, and luckily Amelia's so you know she's amazing with him and and the whole breastfeeding thing, waking up all the time. But yeah, it's uh it's a different it's a different speed and just getting used to it. What about you, kids? Kids in the horizon down the road. I mean, is that are you something you would like to have at one point? Yeah, it's it's, it's something I you know I want to have. And it's almost something I want to have before, like, you know, something I want now, but it's just something I'm not, like, uh, I guess, ready yet in terms of the, you know, I'm getting closer, but the whole, you know, first steps, you know, marriage and all that first. But right. you know, I'm ready to be a dad. I'm, I'm, I already signed up for coaching for soccer this, this summer. Wow. So I have to series, teach them AYSO and uh, get some coaching in. I just, I don't know, I, I, like, uh, I like coaching and, like, talking to kids and, you know. So I'm ready for the whole dad aspect. Just the whole relationship thing has to progress first. You want to be, you want to like coach his little, his, his youth team and all that. You want to do that whole deal. I mean, I, I, that's like, it sort of is crazy to think about that whole circle, but I mean, that's what I want to do. It is fun. So that, that I, I didn't know you played indoor soccer. I saw that listed as a, oh, hobby. Yeah. you like, you play still? I was, uh, I was really good at soccer growing up. Uh, I won nationals when I was younger, but that was like real young, but we won States and, uh, seemed like everyone on my team went somewhere for soccer. Like, one of my friends plays in the MLS now and a couple went over to play in Europe and we had a really good team, but we like broke apart. And then it was like the age where it stopped becoming fun. And, you know, it was just run, run, run. And you start realizing your talents compared to everyone else. You know, like I, I was fundamentally sound, but I wasn't as gifted as some of the other people on my team. What about I, I don't because, you know, the World Series in Vegas, they do the World Cup every summer. Our USA won one year. It's been competitive. It's it's a lot of fun. I think it's usually the day before the main event around July 4th. I, would you be have you you got to uh, come play that? I would love to play. I, I would love to play. I honestly, I'm, I'm not bad. So I, I still spend a little bit of time, but I need to get back in shape more than anything. But, you know, ball ball son, I'm secure. All right, well, let's let's lock you in for that, man. We need another right. body or two. So let, that's I'll make sure get you that info. I know Timothy Adams usually sets it up. Byron Caverman, pretty active organizing, but it's it's a blast. You got every like you know eight to sixteen countries come out. They put their team together. They squat it like the real World Cup. It's it's very cool. So that that'll be fun. Uh, to, so. Those of you that don't know Jokata, you probably do know Jokata if you play poker or have heard of poker. He did win the World Series of Poker main event at 2009, I believe 21, right? You were 21 and change. Yeah. How many, how old were 21 and how many months? Yeah, I was 21 and like, uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, I mean, when I signed up, it, it was the whole November 9th thing. So it was like three months till the final table. So uh, I turned... 22 slightly after the final table like a week after in november but did they technically call it you were 21 when like tech when that world series the yeah, last day ended or did they... I entered and when i won so i turned 22 like 
a week or 10 days after or something like that. Yeah, I think Peter Eastgate was at the currently the youngest. But that's, I mean, it's just pretty crazy. Your first World Series, your first summer. I've been going now. I'm 32. I've had a, I've gone deep. But to actually win it the first year, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's got to be. Uh, and then the, the whole November 9 was new. You do that. You take it down. You've won four bracelets now. And you final tabled the main events again last year. Took fifth and then hopped in another event and won a World Series bracelet. Like, I mean, give us something, man. What are, what is go, your, How do you do it? What are your secrets? Do you, do you go full-blown? Do you play every event? Do you take rests? I know leading up to the World Series, I think you generally like to rest and not play so much. Like, t- talk me through a little bit of how you prepare for your summers. Um, I guess I guess I want to prepare anything extra for any other tournament I really play really for the summer in terms of just doing well I guess a lot of it just comes down to variance and you know be on the good side of things and uh, running good and you know there's so many good poker players out there where you know there's so many different players that this could happen to or is capable of it so it's it's just part of running good and uh, I don't know I guess I guess the World Series I enjoy cash games I just think it's more profitable cash games throughout the year oh shit sorry about my feet that's all right listen hey they're it's all good, man. That was a win the end of the matrix for a second. But yeah, so you're more of a tournament guy. Um, cash games are, I mean, yeah, it's cash games like in Michigan or where you play. What, what are you playing normally when you're not in the summer? What's like, uh, what, what's your uh, schedule? Like, I, I've been playing a lot of five card lately. I'm not sure if you play any five cards, like really uh, popular here now. It's five card Omaha. It's, it's been big on the app I play on just, you know, PP poker, really. There's a lot of games running, so. I've been playing mostly that for the last few months. It's it's been taking up my time that in PLO. I, I don't really play a lot of two card throughout the year besides the World Series. So that's mostly the only two card hole in my play. And um, I guess just all the experience playing online and all the thousands of tournaments I've played there. And you know I play cash games from time to time, hold them or some big games, but I don't really get a whole lot of experience in throughout the year besides the World Series for just hold them and, and just say. And what what is your so but. I guess in poker, you know, I played, I've played a long time. I played live. I played online. You know, I know you've had some good results online as well. You play sometimes there. What would you say, though, separates you? You know, of course, you can say there's some run good or variance, blah, blah, blah. But, man, I mean, making the November 9 or that, well, I guess making the final table, the main event twice, winning four bracelets. There's got to be what part of your game, what do you think separates you or gives you sort of an edge? Like, what would you say that you notice versus a typical pro or the field that you would say you, you kind of excel at or some of your super strengths you know, live? Is there is there something at a certain stack depth? Are you a really great shorthand 10 to 20 blind player? Are you is it reading ability? What is sort of your superpowers in poker? Because obviously you're doing something differently yeah. than, than many. I, don't know, I guess it seems like I just have a better grasp for uh it's always been this way, like live, like I've always had really good online results, but every time I played like live cash games or grinding big cash, it's live. I always had a better grasp of things and just better at exploiting certain situations, like understanding people, understanding what people think of me, my image and how, how like the day progresses. So I think, I think it's just being self-aware of how I've been playing at the table of, uh, I mean, everyone has that self-aware, but the patience and I think, I think a lot of people try to be balanced almost too much live in these big tournaments where you're not going to be playing against these people that often and like, okay, should I be bluffing this spot with this hand? This is the hand I want to bluff with. That's that's not necessarily the case. It should be like, okay, is this play going to be, you know, profiting money right now, just in this moment, because I'm not going to be playing with this guy probably ever again in this situation. So it's not necessarily about balance. It's, it's about what's going to really grant you the best result for 
the time being. I think people tried, uh, you know, these computer simulations and these programs that we use online to help us, you know, you know, grow as players and progress in the game. I think people almost take them um, almost too literal to a sense. We're like, okay, the computer does this every time I got to do this in this situation, or I got to bluff with this hand because it's my bluffing hand. But really it's like, you're not going to be playing with that guy again. So just do what you think is best in that situation. Right. So, and is this, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about uh, Sims and PO and all this stuff, but how, how would you say, is that something you've, you've done work with? Like, are you pretty familiar with it? Are you, you know, I think it's good to know that type of stuff, right? Like it doesn't mean you have to use it or yeah. especially in, you know, you see like, you know, they talk about Hellmuth and white magic and how he, he seems to do so well in these world series type fields. And, you know, some of the, the, the super pros and wizard sorcerers like to knock his game, but you know, he has such good results in these spots and probably really exploits people. Well, uses his image uh, to his advantage, these type of things. You know, is that something though, would you say you're versed in? Like, are you pretty familiar with it? Have you done some yeah, of that work or are you sort of just literally just you don't you haven't dived into that that web no i've i've done a lot of a lot of work with these programs and sims and i even it's kind of fun me and my friends do like bets from time to time we watch these like big games like some of these like you know high rollers and some of these live actions and he's all about like oh these guys know exactly what they're doing in every spot and there's there's certain spots we'll bet on and run the sim and see what it says and what we think is like the ideal player the you know game optimal play but yeah, I'm always running Sims. I'm always trying to figure out what the best answer is and what the best situation for that time may be. But, uh, you know, everyone has access to these these programs, and, you know, a lot of people use them. And what separates some people from others is just, um, I don't know, it's just the circumstances, logic. It's Every, every situation is going to be different, and you're playing with a different person every time at the table. So I just think it's just being able to uh, adjust accordingly, and it's something I've always been good at. Um, talk about... Like so, walk me through a bit of your of. There's so many unbelievable. There's a lot of questions for you. We have a, we got to save some time at the end here on Twitter, guys. We will have a giveaway as well for some tickets. Uh, get your questions in. Hit the retweet button. We're gonna ask a lot of those at the end. But I have I have a lot. I hope we can get them all in. But I want to know. When did you? St- what was your starting playing poker? Because for me, it's like we're so interested because we're similar in age. I think you're a little younger. Eighty. You're born November '87. I was '86. Yep. You're Michigan guy. I'm Michigan guy. I see. I know you started playing at Windsor. I guess it was called. Or I don't, did you start there? Or was that where you started no, kind of going was, Casino was, Windsor at the that time? Was my, uh, my first big like live play. Um, excuse me if I'm sweating, man. It's so hot in here, Michigan. It's it's been <laughs> cold. The last like month's been raining. It's our, I, have, I don't even have my air on right now. It's our, our first really nice day. So it's like nine degrees in my room right now. And I'm like, okay, no worries. But uh, I started off when I was probably like uh, 14 playing online. And uh, I was playing a lot. Like I was kind of quiet kid in school and uh, I switched schools a lot. So I was like bouncing back and forth. Uh, and I was real quiet in school and just math was something I excelled at. And I got into cards and I told my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, you know, I have I was working on the table at the time. I got my first job when I was 14, so I was getting cash. And uh, I lost you. Are you there? I'm here. Hello? Joe, I can hear you. Yo. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I lost you. All right. Sorry, I lost you for a second. You, yeah, yeah, I got I got you. I heard you perfectly. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so I guess it became real popular during the moneymaker year. It uh, Just be on TV and school and everything. So everyone in school just started playing poker and that was the thing to do. You play at the lunch table, you play after school with your friends. And I got online when I was like 14. I used, I used my mom's name and uh, she let me play under her name and I would give her money. And 
put 50 bucks on here, grind here and there. And when I was like 15, it, it really started taking off at like two, four. And then by the time I was like 16, I was grinding five, 10 and 10, 20 regular. And, uh, and I never really looked back. Uh, when I was 18, I was able to get my first, you know, create my first name and play on UB on my own and with my whole JCAT and nine, nine name. And that's when I really started grinding at those but I got all the way up to 500 and I got, I was part of the UB scandal. I don't know how much that set me back at the time because it made me really nervous. Uh, I got all the way up to 500. I had like 500 K in my account. And I remember I went on downswing. I lost like 150 K playing 500 and I cashed out all like 300 K and went back to five, 10 and 10, 20. I remember one day I signed on and I had an extra like 60 some K in my account from UB from the scandal. But Oh, they gave you had 60 K come back to you. Yeah, I signed on. I didn't even know it was coming back. Honestly, I signed on and it was just an extra like 60 K in my account. Wow. So I got refunded a lot of money from that scandal. And uh, I'm not sure how much that really impacted me as a player in cash games and like my my willingness to move up, because I think ever since then, I took my shots at those stakes. Even after the main, I took, you know, one or two shots at playing a little bit bigger and I lost. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to chase like don't chase. You don't want to get in that mindset. So. I think that always kind of sent me back to just play 5, 10, 10, 20, and basically 25, 50 is my highest I go to this day. So interesting. Wow. That's, uh, that's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Did you start, which site did you start originally? What was the first ever sites you played on? Party Poker was my, uh, my first site that I grinded a lot. Um, then the whole, the whole, uh, UEGIA act when they shut down U.S. customers. I think, I think I was like 16 at the time, maybe. Uh, I can't remember how old I was. It yeah, was that, that was exactly was the same. So I was actually actually 19. So I was actually a little bit older at that time, but I was grinding a lot on UB. So UB was like probably my biggest moneymaker. Then I would say uh, Full Tilt was my second one. There was one year where I think I won like almost every major on Full Tilt. Uh, there was only maybe, I'm not sure if there was any tournaments I didn't win, maybe the 1K on there. Right. But I had like 580K in profit in tournaments one year. It was like my first year of grinding tournaments. The first time I got really into MTTs, it was it was kind of funny. I was I was playing twenty five fifty with my buddy, or playing twenty five fifty and ten twenty at the time regular, and I was doing really well. It was on my up swing. I was my roommates were over at the time and or home at the time. I'm just like, hey guys, I'll sign up for this tournament. Whatever I take in this tournament, I'll split with you guys. And it was a two hundred dollar, a uh, hundred or is the seven hundred fifty k guarantee at the time? It was like the two hundred dollar, one hundred fifty dollar, something like that. Yeah. So. And there was 4,300 entries, and I won it for like 150k. And I gave them each 50k, and uh, we took a trip to Costa Rica. And I remember I played one of the EPTs or the the LAPTs for Poker Stars down in uh, Costa Rica, and we all took a vacation. And I think that was the year I really started getting MTTs. I'm like, okay, I can play cash during the week and MTTs on Sunday, and I just started crushing. So, geez, man, it's it's those days were just unbelievable. Same thing. Put money on. I was playing twenty five cent on party. It was there was just the games were so incredible back then. Uh, so two thousand six happens. UIEGA uh, goes yeah. down. Where were you, and how did that impact you? What happened? Did you did you go out of the country start playing? Did you just take a break? What what was going on for you then? Well, I mean, I remember. Well, I remember the. There's like two things. Party shut down earlier than most sites because they were like I think publicly traded. So they just yep. didn't want to risk it, which was smart. So I, I don't really remember when that happened, when Party Poker sh- 
pulled out because I think I was mostly playing on other sites at the time, so I wasn't impacted too much. It was 2006. They had like those monster. They were doing that huge promotion tournament. You could win tickets for. It was going to be like a 20 yeah. million. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was same for I me. Remember- there was one tournament party poker that I'll never forget. It was like a heartbreak. It was like a million dollar guarantee. And I was down to like the final 20 players. And uh, I got in with uh, aces, the kings, the kings, and got four flushed. I was like 18 years old. And I'll never forget that hand. I'm like, this is one of those hands you'll never forget. You know, you get in one of those dream situations for one of the chip lead spots in the biggest moment of your life. And you get four flushed. And you're just oh, like, my God. Yeah. That's that's a crazy hand. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen the the. Well, and, and just dramatically, the nut, you know, eight, yeah, the aces, kings, kings, and, and you can't, it's, I, I don't even know, the, you probably looked it up. I, 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 what's the, the math on it? They basically, they have to make a straight or one guy, one of the yeah, two flushes like live, so you're like 90, what are you, just pigeonhole them? What, what's yeah, the percentage? Like 98 it's, or 99, probably with the... It depends on your suits, though, obviously. But you're, but well, you're no, over. I mean, no, it doesn't. I mean, no, because, yeah, you're, you're thinking, they have two I'm live suits. The classic situation. You normally don't get in with aces, the kings, the kings, but I don't know. Honestly, uh, tell you the truth, I didn't even have the sim at the time to run it. So I didn't even know how bad it was. I was a lot younger. It's crazy. But, you know, it comes full around. You know, main event, final table, I'm two outing people, so. It all, it all comes full circle. It is. Variance is a real thing. So, yeah, you go. So then 2006 happens and you were just as, as business as usual. Do you remember being, was it impactful either way? Do you think looking back on it, was it good, different? Does it change your, your trajectory of where you were going, what you were doing, or, or just kind of continued as usual? The whole cheating sandal or the, to the, the 2006 thing? When, uh, yeah, when the UIGA happened. Yeah. That, that that impacted me a lot with the whole stars thing with the whole contracts and the whole market and um with the whole scandal or with the whole stars and full tilt that that impacted me a lot of that the whole black friday impacted i think everyone but the whole 2006 thing i don't think that really impacted me a whole ton um i don't think really impacted many people much because there's right. so many good sites to play on stars and full tilt was great too back then but um I don't yeah know, that's true ball. That's what I meant. The Black Friday more that than the 2009 when that yeah, Black, Black Friday. Black happened. Friday really hurt because you know I, I I don't play as much online. The whole grinding, you know, you don't have as many friends play online, and it's just a whole different environment now. Just the whole contracts, everything changed with the the Black Friday. And. So when you go to Vegas, you play your, how many other events did you play? Like, how was your summer going leading up to that? What was, how, what day one did you play? How, how, talk me through your main event journey a bit. And did you have act, did you sell action at the time? Did you swap? Like, I mean, I mean, not, not getting too specific, but. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, I, uh, I didn't sell any action. I swapped, I swapped, I had about 15 or 16% swapped out for the main. So I had like 84 and I had about like, uh. 16 or 17% swapped out. So I had about 83 or 84% myself. Just do one and 2%, some 3%. Um, I was actually going to uh, swap with Shannon. I, I actually kind of I feel bad about it on his part. Like, he's a really good player. I think he's actually even better than I am. But Who uh, did you say? Swap with who? I was going to sh- swap with Shannon Shore. He, he made a deep with me. I didn't, I didn't even know that he was asking or was wanting to. He messaged me on Facebook. I didn't see it. And my buddy Tony is like, Hey, uh, Shannon was, because we were both down in like the final 40 players, final 30. And, uh, I went deep in a few tournaments with him and I'm, I'm friends with him and cordial with him. And he hit me up on Facebook and I missed it. And then I saw him at the table and he's like, okay, you know, next, you know, next break, we'll just see where we're at. And we can, you know, do the numbers and we can swap. And the very next break, he didn't make it. And I was like, oh shit. So wow. it was kind of unlucky on his part. I just didn't see the Facebook message late enough. So, I mean, maybe it would have been less. You know, we were probably only swapped a little bit, but still. Yeah. 
the swap. I mean, it is fun. It's fun to swap. That's a yeah. great tournament to do it in and and go deep. And obviously, it's great to to be the one to win it. But it's nice when you have uh, someone who goes deep and, and sweats and and talk about a bit. So speaking of swaps, selling. I, I see on you know Stake Kings. Obviously, I post on there. I love it. I think it's great for fans for engagement. How we, I see you're doing some promotion. You have some of your main event up. There's trying some bidding stuff. What's been your experience with that? Have you done some posting there? Do you have stuff up for the summer just for the main? Yeah, uh, I actually enjoy the whole staking website. I, you know, um, being part of it's fun. I, I was thankful that you know you guys and your team asked me to be part of you guys uh, with with your team last year. So it's fun selling some action and other people involved. I like having friends and you know people that just want to be involved. Um, so it's only like five percent I'm giving out. Um, also auctioning off five percent for most of all the tournaments. So I'm giving away about 10% of my action this year, including the main event. So that'll be fun. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I never really uh, tried the auction at all. And I don't know what a fair market price honestly is. I've always, every time I sold for any tournament, like the high rollers, like I've only played about like 200 Ks in my life. And even like if I sold for the 25 Ks or anything bigger, I've always sold that like even money. And even if I've ever sold like, for smaller stuff, I never really charge too high a markup. I never really know what's fair and what's not. So I think an auction is a really cool gadget where you can just let other people bid for it. Yeah, it's there's been a lot of talk about the markup police and Sean Deeb and all these things and like it get you know Helmuth posting at some kind of high price, but you know it's sort of it's a very it's it's actually a really interesting argument because it's like as long as I think people are informed and they really get it and understand what they're doing and what they're paying and how it works, it's okay. The problem is when you have people that don't understand how it works and what they're doing. And then they just say, and it's like, Oh, I got Joe Cotter. I have Phil Helmuth. And you know, I want to just be the guy in there. But you, I think as long as like, you're very open on it and explain it. And it's like, especially with some of the Twitch guys, some of the bigger personalities, I mean, people would die to have a piece of you. It's fun. Like it's like, but then when you start breaking it down to like five, $10 pieces, if they're paying like 500%, you know, it's insane. But it's like, if someone realizes that it's like, really, they're like almost just tipping you or donating with you or they just want it that bad. Like, is that unethical? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, there's a line somewhere. Like if someone's paying 10x for a price, it's just like, it's kind of crazy. But like you have people donating on Twitch and subscribing and gifting subs. And like, it's like, it just depends, I think, how it's presented and what, how people understand it. That That's, I think, the biggest problem. Yeah, I see both sides of it. I mean, I, I, I get both arguments on it. I mean, I think people should, be, like you said, the most important thing is just being informed. If if you have someone that's willing to pay that price and, and knows what they're doing and what they're paying for, and, you know, it's it's their price they're paying. It's what they're charging. It's what they want to pay for. So be it. But if you're charging people that, like, are not used to buying or being part of the market just because they want to sweat, like, of your friend or, you know, you know their idol of you or whatever it may be, and you know, you're just basically taking advantage of the buyer at that point and not educating them. I'm, I know it's their part to be educated themselves, but it just, it seems like a very uh, slippery slope. I, I never like being part of that. And I always try to just tell people straight up of, you know, this is generally what, you know, I make on average. This is what I'm selling to you. When I sell to them, my idea is selling to play the tournament. So it's like more my willingness to want to play the tournament. So I'm always selling at like even money. So when I sell for myself, most of the time it's even money. And if I sell with markup, it's because someone really wants a piece of me and they won't leave me alone. I'm like, here's a fair markup and I'll charge that markup. And if they don't want to pay for it, then, you know, I don't care because I don't need to sell it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on it. It's a, it's a very interesting. It's really is a, it's a hot topic for sure right now. And I think you know again, I think you said it really well, and we're on the same page there. Uh, there's always going to be people with differing opinions, but that that's uh, the end of the day how it's presented. Um, Talk to me about your family and their thoughts, because I know. So you're, at one point, I think your your mother was dealing. She's she so she has some background in gaming, but it's you know not gambling versus poker. How did your parents feel about? Hey, I'm a professional poker player. How long until they sort of saw that you were very serious and and that you were like you know you were a winning player. You did things the right way. You were in control. Did that? Did it take long, or did they kind of just quickly shift their how they felt, or or did they always support you on that? Well, it was mainly uh, like my mom I had to get past. Like my dad, uh, he always worked overseas and like they, like my mom and dad were divorced. So my mom took care of me. So it was basically like my mom and my dad, my dad always trusts me. He's like really easygoing guy. But my mom, it was like, she's like the angel, like, you know, not the one to punish you, just the one like make you feel bad. So I sat her down and like uh, explained it to her really well you know, what poker was all about, how it's not necessarily gambling. And she was around that her whole life, like being a blackjack dealer. So she saw people losing Detroit and how people would act and people pissing their like life away. And it's like making really big mistakes. And I had to tell my mom, you know, it's not like that. You know, I have my job on the side. I'm putting 50 bucks online. I'm not risking it all. And just look at it like I'm going to the movies or something. or look like I'm going to like, you know, out with some friends for the night. You know, I wasn't really like a social go-getter at the time. So I'm like, man, every time I went to the movies and spent 20 bucks, but I'm playing poker instead. And, you know, I'd break it down to her and I would never put more than 50 bucks online. And she knew that because she was the one putting it online. And I was cashing out a lot. And after a while, I just started cashing out where it never really became a problem. That's awesome. That's same same way. I put 50 online several times, exact same thing, same time, same was on party originally i remember it it was just crazy scene i was playing my friends home games 25 cent 50 then online was cool and i mean it was just wild time so that's awesome though it's good to it's cool when you have supportive parents because um it's hard for those that you know really are firmly against something that you love or that you feel oh, you're yeah. good at and i'm sure you saw that with some of your well, friends i'm so lucky with that i'm so lucky having you know the mom i had and just her having the faith and trust in me so it's, it's a huge leg up. And it also was like a big advantage of the time I started. It's like buying a video game where no one really picked it up yet. And it's like first off the shelf and you're playing and you're getting all this experience in while you, like other people are slowly picking it up years later and years later. So it's like just the time I got into it was a big advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. No, right place, right time. How, how did that, how was that going out to the, so talk me through your world series final table. Cause it's been a while. I know there was some stories you mentioned, you joke around about two outer, I believe you were down to two blinds. Was that on towards the end of the tournament or actually at the final table? Did you have two big blinds for the first year I won? Yeah. The first year I won, uh, I was never all in until the final table. So like I started off at day one seed, like the chip leader D passed me, but, uh, I was always like double average. I was never really at risk. It was like a really just easy going tournament. Like I never really had any scares. And then the final table, I just started getting short and short. And then I, I, I played the hand that I thought was really bad on my part. Like no one ever mentions it. Like the, the hand, I think I played the worst at the final table. And uh, I just played it bad and I lost the hand. And I got down in like three or four big blinds after that. And I had a call off with Jack High in the big blind. Thankfully, the small blind at seven high, and I won with Jack High, and I doubled up to like six big blinds. And then I shipped a few hands, got away with it, then the small pairs 
that that's where all those hands unfolded after that. Well, you got it. You got it in pair over under pair versus over pair, and you and one. Time. Yeah, like there was some history where we were down to five handed. So the first half I had seven handed, and I had like three big blinds. So once we got down to five hand, it was like almost like a free roll. I'm like, man, like two. I laddered two spots, only having three big blinds is just huge. Right. And I and I got up to fifteen bigs, and uh, uh, Shulman opened a hand. We were playing. We were playing five handed. And I remember earlier in the day, he opened the hand on the button. He had nines and Ivy shit for about 18 big blinds after he opened the button with nines and he folded on the button. So I'm like, wow, he opened full of nines on the button here. That's like huge information. So when he opens like five handed, you're like, all right, if I shove threes, what hands are folding? I know like nines below are folding. So my hands are basically like nines or tens at that point. How I many had, blinds did you have? I had 15. Okay. And I shipped threes and he tanked and called with jacks. But I, th- I figured my hand was like nines or tens, and I was the shortest stack at that point. So I just thought it was a good spot, and he, he woke up with jacks, and I found a way to win, thankfully. But uh, And then the other hand was three-handed, the twos versus the queens. And how many blinds was that? I think it was around like 30. It was a spot where uh, Saud had both us like doubled in chips, and I saw him three-bet even nine-handed with jack two offsuit. So I knew he was like really three bet happy, even when he has the chance. So when I wrote, when I raised blind versus blind, I thought he was gonna pick on me a lot, being three handed and having two to one chip lead, him being in position. So when I raised twos, like a lot of times you play that limp strategy with like small pairs there, or you just rip it in because you don't want to be playing like post flop with a small pair, like three handed or two handed with like 20 or 30 bigs. You're just gonna lose the hand so often. You just want to play the pair for what it is, like face up. I got a pair I'm playing three handed. You know, let's. You just kind of just run and ram the chips in. Right. So I just assumed I was going to get three bets so often. I thought that was going to be the best course to make the most chips. So just raise him three bet me jam and him full. And sure enough, he had queens. And he even tanked with queens for a while. And again, ran really well. But that's poker. And uh, wow. So, so yeah, you end up you end up winning the tournament. I mean, you just got your, your uh, what, you're 21 years old, first World Series. How, how did your success been before that in the other events? How many events had you, were you playing a full schedule? And then was the summer going well or, or what happened before that? Well, before that, I mean, that whole World Series, I was doing really well in poker up to then. Like, I mean, it was great. It was just, it was my first time playing the World Series. And you know how these binds and these tournaments, it's like, do I want to risk a hundred grand or 80 grand my first year being 21 out the World Series? So, you know, I found, I found uh, a backer who put me in basically every 5K tournament below. Uh, he wasn't doing that well that summer, so there was a few 5Ks that I didn't play. I, m- I might have only played one. And uh, I was playing a lot of 1025 cash games on my own. So I was grinding cash games out in Vegas on my own. I think I made about 80K that year playing 1025. And uh, it was kind of funny. Before I went out there, I told my friends, I'm like, I'm going to win a bracelet when I go out there. Like, I'm going to win a bracelet. I, I just had it in my mind. I was going to win a bracelet. I don't know why. I was so stubborn about the fact. And like a tournament right before the main, maybe like a week or two, it was like a 1500. There's about a few thousand players. I'm down in the final 18. I'm in the blind versus blind versus Elkie. And uh, Elkie's second in chips and I'm third in chips. And uh, Cliff Josephy and Sheets were watching this too. Because it was kind of funny. We went out to dinner and they're they're doing really bad that year. And like, I vividly remember at dinner, like, Joe better win something, otherwise we're going to get killed this summer. And we, there was, like, eight players that we were with them, and it's my first year playing with Cliff. So for him to say that, it was kind of, like, shocking. Like, they just had the utmost confidence in me as I was a player for them. But uh, anyway, to get back to the story, we were, 
we were down to like 17 players and uh, I raised blind versus blind with jacks and Elkie three bet me. And then I four bet and five bet jammed. So it was a huge pot. It was for the chip lead pot of the tournament with about 17 people left in the 1500. Yeah. And he had ace 10 off. And the flop came three spades. And I had the jack spades. He had no spade in his hand. And the river came a red ace. Oh and I got knocked goodness. out like 17th place. And I think Elkie ended up running kings to aces at the final table and taking like sixth. But I thought that was like my only shot of winning a bracelet in 09. And then the main I, I just pulled it up. Yeah, you got 17th and he got actually 13th. So it looks like 13th. he ran into So it some... happened way before. The kings to aces. I know it because I wanted to see how he did. I'm like, he better win this tournament up that hand. And then I saw the kings to aces hand. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's yeah, man, that's crazy. So I am I am taking a trip down memory lane here. We're scrolling through the Hen and Mob guys. If you ever want to check out uh, a very impressive resume here from Mr. Kata, and if you can check any of your players that you want to look on, it's pretty cool how you can see the history. But it looks like so you had a sixty fourth. You got that 17th and then straight in. So you had three caches at the summer. You were playing cash games, but the, the one you wanted, the $8.5 million first place. So you just knock it down. And then, I mean, it looks like looks like you weren't playing a ton of tournaments. You didn't have a... No, I played a lot of cash that year. I I played a lot. I played, I played probably maybe like uh, 10, to, 10 to 15 events, maybe. Maybe a little bit less. I had about like two or three caches. So I I only played about like ten or fifteen events, maybe fifteen hundreds and a thousands, and I played a lot of cash games during that summer. So, so you I didn't were, have that great of success. But you were you said you were you had so you you swapped a bit, but you were you had staked you were staked during the that period for tournaments. Yeah, I had forty nine percent. So I swapped one percent with my friend during the main, and then I was staked fifty fifty. So I had forty nine percent of the main that year. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, there you go, guys. Talking about staking and such, it's very common. You know, there's just a piece on CNBC. I, I took part in that, talking about it. But it's it's pretty cool. Staking, backing, buying pieces. It's a lot of fun. I mean, how, talk about how much action you you buy. Um, do, do you do sweats? Do you do any staking deals? Do you like to buy pieces? Like, the World yeah. Series main is got it's the most fun. I mean, it's like the fantasy draft, right? They're like, you get to fire, you get five pieces of this guy, 20 here, you buy it, put a guy in there. I mean, I do a little bit of that. I've had some fun sweats at the main event final table i got one um it's it's really fun have you had any sweats yourself that have made the final table i've <laughs> i've done a lot of pieces a lot of staking a lot of swapping and a lot of buying and i haven't had a whole lot of sweats to be honest uh i had uh, my friend george is the king of it like i've never seen anyone run so better in my life in terms of, like he had the main event like winner like two years in a row basically or what? like second and first and then he had the the millionaire maker he had like the guy's probably up like $10 million in staking. It's, it's, wow. it's unreal. He's yeah, got that magic me. touch where you just want to give him a piece just just because for the extra run good. He knows Koontz, right? Jason Koontz and, and yeah, you, is yeah. that George? He had like, uh, I'm not going to give any names, but he had 70% of one one of the guys that finished in the top three one year. So I was like, how do you have 70% of someone? And then the, following, the previous year, he had like 40% of the winner. So he had like 70% of like second place and 40% of the winner two years back to back. That's that is ridiculously that's unbelievable. That's probably the greatest stake, uh, the greatest record I've ever heard. I mean, I, I guess it depends on volume. Is he doing is he is he doing, you know, a, a thousand guys in the summer? I would imagine not. So he's probably is running no. really good, but I'm no, sure he's got no, a handful. No, that's the thing. He, he's only had a few people and he doesn't even do it that often anymore. He, he, he buys pieces, but he doesn't do it as much as he did in the past. And even in the past, he only had a few people. So he really hit uh, potluck with that. Um. 
That's crazy. So, all right, so I'm scrolling through. We see you played in 2009. You know, you signed with, you got the deal with uh, Poker Stars at the time. You've been, you were them with them for a while. You had some other good results. But, you know, again, it doesn't look like you were playing from 2009. I'm looking at your hand and mob 11, 12, not that, well, you're not playing that many tournaments, 15, 16. When did you, it looks like 2017, you, you fired hard, 18. Obviously, you had a, probably one of the most, if not the most impressive summer in terms of uh, shock value final table in the main again and then hopping in another tournament i remember being deepish with that in you and you took it down so um what what were you doing has your have you taken summers off for the world series and then just kind of got back into the tournament poker the last couple of years or or what's have you found a relove with tournaments like where do you stand no, with I, that i mean just um I wouldn't say I would take summers off. I haven't really taken any summers off. There's there's summers where I don't play as many tournaments as others. Like, um, I don't know. I, I guess it just depends how I'm feeling. I don't really set too lofty of goals. It just comes down to, like, how I'm feeling, what I want to do that day. Um, I play I play a pretty packed schedule in terms of WSP, like, no limit hold'em events. Like, I don't play – I don't dabble in the mixed games or any of those, those tournaments. Uh and then when it comes to like the big binds, the hundred K, um, I've only played that one year for the WSLP. I think that was in 2016. Uh, no other year have I played the hundred K. It just, it just seems so steep. It seems aggressive where I, I don't know. I guess I'm not that good at networking. So, you know, if it's easier to sell, it's, it's a little bit easier to play, but I don't want to take that big of a bind myself. So for sure. I, I don't know. I guess it depends. Uh, some years I don't really like, you know, playing the super steep buy-ins. Just because I don't know, it just seems like a lot of like uh, stress that I don't really need. Right. What I see. So this, you are playing the hundred K and the fifty K this year, and you do have that up on Stake King. So that's pretty cool. What is how much is available there? It looks like fifty. The hundred K. The hundred K. I'm not sure if I'm playing this year or not. Like, uh, I, mean, I guess I'm gonna see how the year goes or the summer goes first. The fifty K. I'm playing for sure. The hundred K. Probably not, unless it unless it's a really good summer. Yeah, I would. I want to play the fifty badly. I'm probably going to fly in for that. That should get a lot of big turnouts. Also, the fiftieth World Series of Poker. It's the summer of Fofty, as we all know. And you know, it's going to be. Uh, I'm sure you saw that Randall Emmett stuff with the fifty, pretty crazy situation. But it just seems like that'll get a lot of people. It's also like that one's a really good structure, right? It's like four day. I mean, it's like four, you get to play. Yeah, four days. Uh, man, I apologize, man. It's so hot in my house, man. It's. This is the first really nice day of like the year. Like it's, it's 80, 90 degrees and it's, I honestly have to turn on my air because I can't believe I have it off right now. My bedroom is the hottest room in the house. So I'm just literally sweating my, do you want to turn, do you want to take them? Did you want to go fire it on? Huh? You want to turn it on? Do you care if I? No, take a second. I got it. Honestly, it's fucking it is roasting my house right now. Go, here, go but. get it. I'm gonna take. Yeah. A, I'll use the restroom for a second, guys. Hang tight. If you got questions, go retweet on uh retweet on twitter we have two dollars tickets from party we're giving away we've got i think we got to do the coons giveaway as well i gotta get the competition competition agency up let me see here we got to get that the retweets for today. If you guys want to ask your questions far away, I see Amelia in the chat. That is my lovely wife, who I miss very much, and she's with our son Joseph. We didn't name specifically after Jokata, but great name, and uh, he's in great company. So that's exciting. We'll let you guys check that out. I am going to be right back. I'm going to use the restroom quickly. We're going to take questions. We're going to talk more with Joel. We'll be right back. I think it's going to be a lot for some reason. I, I just think that? some reason I think it's going to be way bigger. I just I know some people that shocked me even 
that were that like poker, but you know, they're a bit more business type or not even business, but they're just not like they were just like, yeah, I think I'm going to play this. And, and I was like, wow, really? And, and also I just think again, cause it's a great structure. It's kind of early. It's fun. It's the 50th. It's the WSOP 50 year. I just kind of think people are, it's like a, it's like, I remember they did the 40 K. You remember that special 40th, yeah, 40 edition? You're like pro- you're probably going to be right too, especially at the time of it. They have, they have it at the very beginning. So it's going to be easy to sell for. And I think just it being at the beginning, no one being stuck really and being easy to sell for and, just being the whole 50th and then the whole re-entry thing that should get like 40 entries there 30 maybe yeah so. there's um there's also uh yeah i mean bitcoin do doing fairly well i mean that that i don't there know i think it matters a bit people in poker a lot of crypto enthusiasts a lot of people in there and i mean it's it's kind of you know it's from its low point over doubled in the recent month um i think that matters slightly too you probably have some people that were that are that are feeling a little better so i don't know we'll see but either way it'll be a great event i think i am gonna have to get out there for it i was i know kunsi was talking about going or thinking about it too and it's just it just seems like it's a re- it's a reasonable size to win too it's a reasonable field size of course you have to beat all the best but there are some there's some value in there too and i mean it, it should be fun what's your ideal what's your most fun events do you play other you play mixed games don't you uh no i don't play mixed games i no. just play uh plo and no limit i think my my favorite event, even though I've not had a single cash, and it's kind of frustrating me. You played me one year in that the 10k heads up. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great that this, uh, that match hurt too. This very optimistic bluff against you that didn't work. Yep, but I you still got back. it done. Yeah, I, I battled back. I ran good. Yeah, um, that that's a yeah that that event's fun. I, I just I. Man, the World Series is. Uh, I, I think it's the last year at the Rio too. I believe. I thought someone yeah, said right. that. Is that true? I'm pretty sure it got bought. I think they're leveling it truly. And it's interesting where it's going to go. I was talking with Bill Perkins the other day and he's trying to, he wants to do a 10 K hundred mil guaranteed. He's thinking about putting, doing some stuff with that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think you could hit, do you think it would be hit in poker? Cause I guess it would be, you'd have to find the right venue, the right time. And you make it like a, you know, I like the idea of the freeze out, not a re-entry, like, but per day you could play once, maybe like three starting days for a hundred mil guarantee, ten k. That'd be pretty sick. That would be sick. I always said like I've always said this for the longest time. They should make like one giant like global tournament where uh, wherever the buying may be, like so many different starting days. Like say there's a starting day in North America, there's a starting day in South America, and then like after day three or day four or whatever it may be, you, you combine the flights. So there's like one location everyone flies to and it's just like a giant field. I think that'd be awesome. It's a great idea. It doesn't seem that crazy. They've done a lot of creative stuff, um, a lot of big guarantees. There's been phases and stuff too. Like, yeah, like start a tournament in January and kick it off at, you know, a year later, have the final table, like, or have, have it come down to the final 40 or final 50 that are, you know, they lock up the money they got and you, sh- and you ship them to Vegas for now. They got the HyperX and these things are doing yeah. WPT, like something like that. I mean, that would be, I mean, talk, you want to get big, big prize pools, big excitement. There's nothing better than getting like a hundred million or 50 million prize pools together. Who cares? You could, if you ran it every year, you could literally have it cycling. Like every year it cycles. Like it's, it just seems like a logistical that's the problem trying to get it all mapped out but i think it's doable yeah i think the only two companies that could do it is like party poker stars because they have the capability of doing it just they're what they could reach out to like uh just networking really just yeah run the satellites too. Together. 
Yeah, satellite it in. Um, I want to I want to know more about the cruise line. We've talked about this and explain to me what, how many years you've been doing this and what's the what's the story with this? You seem to love it. I know you've had great results and it just seems like a lot of fun. What's tell me more about that? Yeah, it's uh, I started six years ago. Uh, I got invited. It's it was associated with uh, Harrah's and Caesars because they're part of no- Norwegian. They have like a partnership. So I got introduced to Norwegian. It was the first time they were having a, a poker series, and they didn't really know how to run it. So a lot of it was me uh, helping them with tournament structure, uh, buy-ins, uh, rake, uh, guarantees, and just everything like that. And after the first year, it went so well. And uh, every year, we've been continuing to grow a ton. And it's just like every year I go, I'm just like, I can't miss it. It's so much fun. There's You meet so many good people, and it's it's everyone that doesn't like it's all like just cruise goers and like business people so a lot of like the cash game action or even the bigger action everyone's having fun it's just a good environment and uh reese on one year he final table it he and when he went he's like i'm never missing this again and i told myself the same thing every year i go i'm like i can't miss this and i don't think there has been one year i haven't made at least 20k on the ship and last year i i chopped the their main event for like 80k so this year it should be even bigger. It should be about like 120k for first, so it's it's pretty good. How many how many entrances and what's the price point? Uh, they have 1100 buying. That's their main event, and we're gonna make it a re-entry this year. One re-entry, and they get about 600 players for it. 500 to 600, 600 people on the cruise play the, the tournament. That, yeah, they'll get about five to 600 players for it, and then they have a 2500 dollars buy-in. They have a 500 dollars. Uh, a two hundred dollar rebuy and a hundred dollar rebuy. And how how rate? Because I've been on one cruise in my life. It was in college for spring break, and I forget what it was Caribbean or something. I'm sorry, this is Norwegian. And where does it leave? What? How long is it? Give me some more details because I I really uh, this year this year do we leave out of New Orleans and we're going to the Western Caribbean this year. It's Belize, Cozumel, and uh, Honduras, and they own their own island in Belize, so they do the like they have a uh, like run these uh, parties like to give back to the players and on their islands they own the island. So like uh, this year they, they separated everyone into different teams like purple team, red team, blue team. They have like tug of war events, like beanbag events, like you know all these different events where you compete as teams and you win like pretty cool prizes and raffles and so and then they have like a DJ and they host like a big buffet. I mean they really give back. They do a great job and. Uh, Every year, I'm really impressed, and they continue to grow. And I'm and sorry, the one more to the date is uh, it's in November, uh, December second to the ninth, I believe. Okay, I think that might yeah. be that might be during that twenty million on party. I'm not sure. Is there internet? How's the internet on there? That the internet's not bad. You I've can, been trying to get them to stream, but uh, or Twitch it the final table, but it's something we're still working on, and it might be and it might end up happening with the delay because I don't know how like. Uh, Good, the internet is there. To well, listen, if you, need, if you need a Twitch, if, if you need a Twitch guy, I, I might know someone. Yeah, hey, I told them about you. They're really interested. I like it. I, no, I mean, honestly, I, I'd have to double check. I just, I want to go. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to go badly. I just think that might be right during the uh, the party, big millions thing online. Yeah. But Mizraki took, uh, he chopped the, or he took second in the 2500. He went last year, and I remember it was during the whole Belmar, and he, I think, in the middle of the cruise, he. He went to Little Belmar for like the day and then flew back and met us at a different island or something. Oh, he went, he, he like hopped off the cruise, like yeah. path and got and back on it. Everyone's like, yeah, we're not going to see Mizraki again. There's no way. 
And then sure enough, he made it back on the boat somehow. I'm like, wow, he made it back. That was wow. Surprising. That's really cool. Um, no, I, well, yeah, I'm gonna. We'll talk about it afterward. I do want to check that out. I want to shout out Matt Barnes in the chat. My wife Amelia, she's watching Joseph at home. Speaking of Joe, uh, some other people checking in, guys. We appreciate. It. If you want to get your questions in, get them in now because we're we're getting up pretty soon. We're gonna go through. We'll run over a bunch of those that are on Twitter, also Instagram. Some interesting questions, so we'll we'll take a look at that. Uh, what other what other places have you gone? Are you do you like to travel a lot? Do you go around? Um, you know, have you have you done? Have you done non-poker related trips with, like you said, your girlfriend now of four years? Yeah, we did. We did Hawaii uh, not too long ago before last uh, the last World Series. We went to Hawaii for about a week and a half. Uh, I, I've done a lot of trips. I've been to over in uh, South Africa, the Brazil I went to, uh, Philippines. So nice. there's a lot of cool different trips there and poker trips that I've been on. That's awesome. Is it, how was your girlfriend with, you know, speaking like, I think he's funny to see how like Sean Deeb telling into Granu about betting on their marriage and like betting on relationships. And people talk about relationships in poker. You know, you talk about parents in poker, relationships in poker. You know, you know, you, get, you see here, it's a hard way to make an easy living. You make your own hours, but it is, there's, there's challenges with being playing in poker and having balance is super important, but there are some late hours, long sessions, you know, traveling, being away some certain spots, you know, depending on your spouse or significant other, um, you know, what they're able to come with or not. So how has that been? Have you had any, has that been something you guys deal with pretty well? I'm sure she's supportive of you, obviously, but is that, uh, how, how, yes. do you, how have you dealt with that? Do you have any tricks or any suggestions, tips for people out there and, you know, that you've learned over the years uh i guess i'm still trying to look for the tips and uh suggestions <laughs> from other people but uh i know we have our battles just like any other couple when it comes to traveling and playing but she's thankfully uh really supportive and easygoing about everything i don't travel a whole lot there's some people that you know play every travel everywhere you know every pt every tournament you know so i mostly just go to some of the ones that are closer the ones that are easy drives maybe smaller buy-ins but whatever it's just close by tournaments and uh you know the florida trips the bahama trips and the world series so i don't really do a lot of whole international traveling or a lot of big traveling but the world series is tough just because i'm gone for a month and a half she has her full-time job so she can only make it out there a few days but she we actually uh we did a different charity event that was nearby in ohio or illinois sorry and uh uh, she won her main event seat. There was like 125 people, and it was a charity event. She won the seat for the main event this year, so she's playing alongside me for the wow. first time. That's that's amazing, dude. That's really cool. My wife has played in a charity event as well. Um, it, she didn't. She I remember she laid down kings preflop in a spot <laughs> and got shown a bluff. And it was uh, I, I was like, she's probably watching me play too much, play too tight. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually I looking at your pin tweet. This is hilarious. This is from your your girlfriend about the hand history review and saying what he has and uh, and then you know with top two and guy has a, 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 you know trips and it's like she so she obviously knows how to play and has some good understanding. That's got to be that's going to be fun. She's got to be amped for the main oh, event. She's excited. We uh, we just took a trip to uh, play an MSPT event. It's eleven hundred over at Battle Creek. Uh, first place is like two hundred fifty eight k. I buddy, saw that. Uh, my buddy won it. He won back to back events. Uh, two back to back MSPT events. So I'm so happy for him. Like that's amazing finally his breakout year he's a really good player. So uh, what's his name? I did see that. I saw actually. Chris I was watching Moon. a little bit of the final table. It was on Twitch. Chris Moon is his name. That's awesome, man. Congrats to him. That's sick, dude. That is, that's really, that's, I mean, there's a lot of people then to win that much. There's that oh, way, yeah. thousand there's plus like 1600 entrance. 1600 players or something, 1600. Crazy. 
crazy, yeah, man. Michigan's got some game. I think Michigan's one of the the stronger stronger states in poker. I mean, there's a lot of great players, some great results, and and, and there's also games. There's some decent games and home games that people play in casinos. There's some action. Um, what is uh what's the big game going now? Is Motor City or one of the places has big PLO? They spread or they, what? They used they used to have uh, some big PLO games in. Uh, uh, it was MGM had a big PLO game. It was twenty five fifty no game, uh, basically no max game for a while, and the game got out of control a lot of times. But being in Detroit and just the situation in Detroit, it, the game kind of got moved and kind of stopped running. There's been some issues down there, like security issues. There's some people have had some issues in the past, myself included, also a friend, like getting fouled after the game and stuff like that. So. It's kind of sketchy going down there and playing really high stakes, so I kind of try to avoid it. Um, the okay, so all right, so that and I, the other thing I want to—it's interesting to hear the Michigan games because what were you playing at casino? Um, or it used to be called Casino Windsor. That's when I was there. I guess around the same time as you. And what about Caesars Windsor, Casino Windsor? What was what was what were you playing there? And when did you go start going there? Yeah, I think I missed Phelps by a little bit because he used to play in that game. I heard, um, but they had a. When I was 19, uh, they had a 10-20 no-max game in Windsor. That's and what I played. That's where I met Mike at the poker table there. That's how I know him. Really? Met him at – it was Casino Windsor. We were playing 1-2, and then we would hop in the 10-20. And I actually met Mike where we – I didn't know he swam or went to Michigan or anything. I was just there, and then we started talking. He was like – I went on vacation, and I came back, and he was like, oh, why don't we drive up together? And then he came and picked me up, and then we went up and played. But, yeah, I remember that 10-20 game. Wow, it was 600, 600 minimum buy-in. Um, yeah. that's, that was how I used to buy in. I'd sit down and then, you know, guys would sit with 10 grand, 20 grand. I remember CD, Sleepy Mike, Parvez, See, rest in peace. Say, do you remember Sleepy Mike? I know everyone, man. Adrian, the Russians, uh, Marco, uh, Ryan Rapask. Yeah. All those guys, man. Man. Wow, long yeah. time. Yeah, Ryan Rapaski and uh, Chad Pikenen, those are my boys I met there as well. There's Alan also a Ke- doc. They're a doc they used to play in that game too. Yeah, Alan, like- Alan Keating, that's where I know mm-hmm. Alan from. Uh, he's playing some high stakes and, and does well. No, I'm not all those guys those yeah. in that game. Yeah, that, that's. I, we, I wonder if we ever played together. I don't remember, though. I don't Must think be, we have. We wouldn't have. I would have remembered. I don't remember you, really. I remember Rapaski and Keating and Sleepy Mike and Doc and all those guys. I played in that game about a year and a half, then it stopped running. It broke. It eventually died. Uh, I remember I got in trouble. I, I almost They wanted to get me for money structure and coming back one time because for a while, uh, it just didn't make sense to like keep exchange that kind of money and bring it back and forth across the border. So I made a, a Canadian account, and I'd just keep all my money in Canada for a while after the game. And one day I came back. I only had like six or seven K under me on me, but I had the receipt for you know my Windsor account. I, I probably had like 100k for it and they stopped me at the border and they searched me and they they saw that 6k or 7k and then they saw the receipt so they wanted to give me for purposely bringing back under 10k at a time for money structuring and they held me for like four or five hours and every time i crossed the border it was just a nightmare after that so i soon like kind of stopped playing in canada for a while yeah, that's um, yeah, man. That's uh, that was a spot though. I do rem- good memories there. Good time. I I would. It's that city. It was yeah, fun to go out as well. Be nineteen. There was a big bar scene, big nightlife kind of at the time. I think some plants went away, uh, automobile stuff, and it kind of dried up a bit, and the whole area sort of fell down a bit. But it's uh, it was. Good. used to play at that casino, I believe. Casino Who's that? Windsor. Daniel Negreanu used to play there, I believe. Okay, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken, but I was told that from people. 
Yeah, he yeah he was a Toronto guy, and I think that area not too far, and he would come up and I'm sure yeah he was in that that area as well playing sometimes. So yeah, no, it's got it's got some history. I know Caesars took it over, and I've been back very rarely, maybe like twice in the last four years or something. But I I, I don't yeah, know. Was, I don't think there's that much action going there. But I used to, they, that was one of my first scores too, like five hundred dollar buy-in tournament. They had decent decent multi-table tournament there and they would spread and it got you know it got decent turnout um i want to ask you about huds do you use huds online do you when you play do you use pt4 hold the manager and that stuff what, what are your thoughts on that uh i have before uh not really not typically um what's your table how many tables do you like to play when you play online it all depends i mean i, I don't play as hardcore as i used to i mean it depends what I'm playing, though. Like, heads up, I'm playing way less tables. I'm playing, like, two tables, three tables, six-handed. I'm playing maybe, like, four or five tables. If I'm playing MTTs, you know, I can play up to, like, 15 tables, 16 tables. So it depends on the game, really. Um, the shorter the handed, uh, less tables. But Makes sense. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's interesting because it's also format, too. Are you playing, like, turbos, hypers? You mix in some six maxes and stuff, and it gets kind of crazy. If you're playing nine max regular, for sure, you can you can definitely add a few more. Um, it, without HUDs, it's a bit tricky. I know Party Poker's removing HUDs very quickly here. It's kind of oh, stirring awesome. up. awesome. Good for them. Yeah, it's stirring up stirring up the pot a bit. I, I think it's going to be a big net positive. I, you know, it's a little bit of a – it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. I think it's going to be complicated – a little on that for everyone but at the same time i think it's it's kind of cool the idea and how they're trying to do it and neutralize that playing field with that and i think overall it's it's probably gonna be a positive just it'll take a bit of time to get it sort of ironed out and everyone to be comfortable with it and you have the pros and people that are really dependent on it and love it they're gonna take be a little tilted about it but you know i think overall it's good and you know i think obviously the longer we can preserve poker um it's great with there's sims there's these things there's solvers there's all stuff that kind of scares people i think if we can kind of get find ways to neutralize that or, or pause it or, or make people feel more comfortable it'll be good i mean usa is a huge sweat michigan what about michigan i mean that bill was like passed yeah, like you oh must you were counting your eggs before it was hatched right you're like oh we're gonna be back on it's happening i know i got lobbyist friends they said it's a done deal they were like it's gonna be done this guy is going to signature and then it didn't go down i mean that was crazy yeah, I'm not surprised just being involved with the whole lobbying and the whole, you know, charity poker rooms and seeing it firsthand just the way the Michigan and the casinos and everything is here. It's everything's so shady when it comes to politics. So, yeah, there could have been a drop off some sort of, you know, Sheldon, as long as Sheldon Adelson's still kicking, I think it's uh, he's he's been a huge debt detriment for that and kind of bizarre even how it all goes down with him and what works but it's just weird that that was like literally a done deal it passed heavily but the good news is i west virginia just passed i heard michigan will be back on the i mean it's on the ballot and this new the new uh head a governor i think is very pro and it, it looks like it's gonna pass so it could just yeah. be a slight delay not like when it happened i was like oh shit it's gonna be another five ten years my, my dad loves playing online he was like very excited you know you got people who just want to pass the time watch sports play yeah. a tournament or two and on a regulated site it's just crazy it'll eventually happen i think that's really cool what party poker is doing though i i see no negative side about no hud i mean if anyone's complaining about no hud it's those guys are eventually gonna you know get used to playing without a hut like they're professional most professionals are the ones that are using the huts and they're not going to quit playing because they're told not to use the hut so i think plus it's like why are you relying here? Just play the game. Just rely on yourself. You know, it's yeah. more fun that way. I agree completely. I think the only, you know, people are kind of used to it. I think, you know, when you're multi-tabling, you know, the thing is on, on party, for example, they have a really, um, they have a really cool feature where 
you you just click and it's the big blinds and that's like a hud is nice to show you that's like the feature i use the most is like a I color coordinated big blind I watching, huh I was watching your stream and i was sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you i was no. watching your stream and uh that's the first time i saw where you're like raised to like 7.2 bigs and it was like call like literally like the chip counts were even there it was all in big blinds i'm like wow that's really cool i've never seen that like before yeah and and that is a that is a feature they have and it's just like an auto it's no software you just you can either double click on the thing and change it either way like when i have pt4 up it shows but that's what i was saying on on huds that's generally the thing that's the most important is knowing how many big blinds right whether you're three betting or flatting or what you're like so you know you start looking at the other stats like yeah it can help a bit but generally it's not t- too much and the funny part is i actually had one of my bigger online scores in a while when i had power failure crazy stuff was happening i came back on and and I, it just wasn't working my like on the, i got a new computer how the license was it wasn't up it was like because they're showing like trial version on it and i just didn't run it and i had you know a huge score was playing for a big i found table was 190 to first and on the 5k buying and and was you know and i wasn't using one and it's like i was just like i don't really need it i just want the big blind so i think people are gonna calm down with it and i think it will be really cool and and i think that's gonna that's gonna help a lot um all right, well, let's see. We're, we're an hour and 10 minutes in. I want to, we'll, we'll talk a bit more and then we'll answer some questions. I don't know if you've gone to Twitter at all. I can sort of scroll. Let's see. Yeah, let's... I haven't been on Twitter in a few years. Twitter kind of, me and Twitter had a little disagreement or I guess not really disagreement, just, I don't know. It's stupid how their thing works. I got like a, a new phone or, and I went to go log on my Twitter and, you know, I, I typed in my name and password and they're like, oh, what's your old, you know, email address? And when I had Twitter, it's like, my agent made it for me back in the days so and you need Twitter, you need this. I wasn't really a big social media guy. And I'm like, okay. So he made my, you know, my Twitter for me. And, and I don't remember the old email address that was used. And I've, I've contacted him and I've, I've contacted Twitter and I wrote them messages like, Hey guys, I have everything you guys, I have my login, I have my password and I can provide like, you know, my details, my license, my everything. Like, how can I get back in my account? They're like, you need your email address. So I'm like, so without my email address, I'm doomed. And that was basically that. So I haven't used Twitter since. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty insane. I mean, that's not a great, great review guys. I'm trying to see that. Uh, yeah. I, Twitter is probably the one I, I like it for poll questions. I like it for the retweet giveaway stuff and get some information out, but yeah, it's not my, not my favorite of all the socials, um, but we are going to take advantage of it. We're going to go over it and let's take, let's knock through some of these questions uh, and see what's going on here. So we got Chris Robinson asking, how much luck do you need to make the final table of the WSOP main event, given the size and field, the deep stacks and the number of days of play? So what's your thoughts overall? I mean, what you've done is kind of an anomaly to win it in final table as well. I mean, that's uh, in a lifetime, that's going to be better than almost that, probably in the top 0.01%. I'm the only, especially with the big field sizes now, how do you feel about that how would you say like how much luck goes into that obviously a lot of skill being deep stacked getting to play two hour levels but you know wh- where do you how do you rank that in terms of luck i mean geez i mean yeah i mean variance is always a huge part of poker uh, what i would say the odds of making the final table was what there's like seven thousand people and then you know what nine or ten make the final table so like no luck involved probably what like one seven hundred so with skill maybe like one in like, I don't know, like 200, 250 or something odds of making the final table at the main. So, I mean, you get what, 40, 40 shots in my lifetime, 50 shots in my lifetime. So generally on a lifetime on averages, you shouldn't even be making it if you're only making it one in every two, 250 and twice in 10 years. Again, like I said, got to run good. 
Yeah, we might live forever. Well, it's either us or our kids, I think. So we might we might get uh, it could average out. I don't know if we'll get two fifty pulls at it. That, but yeah, that's nice to get two under your belt in the first what ten years. Yeah, not bad. Um, which is your favorite, most interesting hand during the run this year? I guess uh, this year, as in the last year's main event. Maybe talk about like a memorable hand from each of those those WSOP final tables. I think the king. I think the king queen of clubs hand is the most memorable. Only because, like, in so many different ways, because um, if, for the people that don't remember, it's it's one of the very last hands before I busted out that I won. It was the biggest pot I played for the main event. It started off, it was five-handed, and uh, Johnson opened under the gun, like, smallish. And we're playing about, I think, around 40-some big blinds. We're in the big blind with King, Queen of Clubs, and we defend the big blind. And the flop comes six, five, three, one club. And he checked, and I checked to him. And uh, the only reason I didn't three bet that hand preflop one, it's like with that blind structure, you don't really want to get jammed on ever or get forced off your hand. It's just, I don't know, it's a good hand to be playing, you know, having some good defend hands in your, you know, in your uh, range. Right. But anyway, the Falcom 653, I checked him. If he would have bet like 60% or 70% or even like 45%, I would probably just let the hand go. But him, he bet on the smaller side, it was around like 30%. And uh, that range is my board in the big line. You know, you could have so many different ranges from that a three, five, six board. I guess it was six, one seven. club. Yeah, one club. Okay. So given that bet size and knowing that you know if a turn comes a king or a queen, he's liable to bluff those cards. If it comes like a four or seven or a deuce, you know I could win the pot different ways. If it comes a backdoor clubs, I have outs. So I, just with him betting thirty percent in my hand still with two overs, backdoor flush draw and possibly representing the straight in the future, depending on how the action goes. I decided to peel and float. And uh, the turn brought a three of clubs. So it came three, three, five, six, two clubs. Yep. And I have about 20 million and the pot's about 7 million. So it comes down to like, okay, if I check any bets, like what kind of line can I take in this hand? It would just seem really uh, bad to like check call again with King high and a flush draw and then just, if he is bluffing, then just lose like on the river to ace high, like not being able to bet if I miss clubs or if, if even if he isn't bluffing, if I make my club, what am I going to do? Lead into him. So on the turn, the, the action became a little bit tricky where the board is three, three, five, six. And now I'm like, OK, if I lead into him, I don't expect to get raised too often here. I kind of like freeze the action. If he has a made hand, he's just going to call. Obviously, he's in position. And the only hands I could see th- theoretically getting raised by is maybe like, I don't know, jacks, tens or aces possibly. Um, which would suck and he forced off my hand at that point. Right. But I just feel like so often I'm going to either win the hand or he's just going to call just because either A, you know, I, I either have a made hand or B, I'm bluffing. And if you're bluffing, you know, they want to call you in position and let you keep bluffing. So I led the turn. I bet 5 million to 5.1 into seven. So it's hard to raise without him committing himself. And so I only have 15 million left or 20 million left. I might have 25 when I had that, when I made it 5 million. And he, he tanked forever, and he min-clicked about $10.3 million. That At that point in time, I'm like, okay, what hands is he raising at $10.3 million here? Like, if he has aces, jacks, or tens, I mean, I could hit, you know, he could have kings or queens, but I have a king or queen in my hand. Like, why is he raising so small on such a draw-heavy board? The board's three, three, five, six. So it's either I have a three in my hand, or I'm bluffing with some type of equity. Right. And if I have a three in my hand, why is he going to raise min and, you know, just basically get it in almost drawing dead against a three or even a straight or, you know, a boat. And if I don't have a three, it's like, why is he why is he forcing me off my bluffs? Right. The only hand I could theoretically see him having for value is something like ace three suited. 
where he's kind of almost like pushing me to the initiative to put it in almost or give action. And other than that, it didn't make sense to me. So I'm like, okay, what's the best way to play? Should I jam here? Should I call here? Folding was out of my option because I thought he was kind of folded at that point. So right. it came down to like, okay, which what's going to net me the most profit here in the long run and how should I play this? So I, I talked myself into it. I'm like, okay, if I call here and I hit a club or a king or a queen on the river, I'm checking. If it comes like one card is straight, I can bluff. And if it comes brick, then I might find in my heart to check call. Honestly, I thought I thought a majority of his range was like seven, eight of clubs, seven, nine of clubs. Like, I don't know. I, I was kind of like, not clubs, but seven, eight, seven, nine like open enders, like ace four sometimes. I don't know. It was it was really confusing what he could have in that spot. Yeah. But I liked to call and uh just because if I jam and he did have it, then I'm screwed. I'm just there's there's no point in jamming. It didn't make a lot of sense for me to jam because if he's bluffing, I can make him fold the rivers on bluffs. Right. Anyway, the river came uh a two. So I put one card of the straight and I tanked forever. And honestly in my heart I wanted to check call the river so bad if it was online. I would have contemplated. It seems kind of weird with King Queen there, but I just it just didn't make sense to me. And uh I ended up taking the option the line of jamming. And right right after I jam he folded, I ran to my rail. I'm like, man, I should have checked called the river. You know, I'm 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 almost hundred percent positive I was good the whole hand. And uh it was just a really big hand, it was the biggest pile of the main and it was just a really interesting the whole like the line from both of us, mine and him. And what so did he I, have or didn't you? He had Jack Ten offsuit. Wow. Sick. So, yeah, it was an interesting hand. Very sick. Yeah, those are those are yeah, those hands are it's crazy, you know, when you start thinking about lines and, and hands and like, you know, I think that's one thing I've been working on my game a lot and just thinking about spots differently and you know, it's like it's easy to look at hands where you're even like talking about hands you got an under pair, under pair, but like or spots where it's just like standard stuff, right? Like you're gonna get in, you're gonna get cooler, things are gonna happen, you're gonna run. But like the hands where there's like those are big differences in how you take a line, how you play, how you get max value, putting people on their range, and what you're doing. So you know, I think that's that's interesting because it's a lot of times that's what where the poker's won and lost is it's never really the last hand. It's just that's like when people start talking about bust out hands, it's like. All right. What about all the other spots? What about all the other lines? What about all the type spots you miss value or you got the minimum or you made a bad call, you know, and they got you short. So I think that's really it's interesting and, and to think about as a, as a player when you're talking hand histories, talking tournaments, reviewing, you know, and it sounds like you have a really great network of friends and people you talk tournament poker with and you you learn and you're looking and you're plugging spots and you're getting different options. So you know, I think that's uh that's a really that's cool and i think that's yeah, something you do uh, a lot if you ever tell my friend you bust out he always goes well you should have more chips and that's what he always says like anytime you tell him bust out so he just goes you should have more chips yeah that, 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 that answers it that's usually the right answer it's right um Oh, actually, before I forget, Koontz, so card collecting. You know Jason Koontz. Become, I've become very friendly with him. I like him a lot. And he, he obviously had that million-dollar score plus uh, in January in the Bahamas. People confuse him with Jason Koon, but it's Jason Koontz at Otia. And he had some action up on Stake Kings as well, which is pretty cool because people were buying him thinking he was Jason Koon. I think you swap with him. I swap with him. And, you know, yeah. he ended up ended up having a big score for us. What, how do you know Jason? And do you do you collect any sports memorabilia cards, stuff like that? No, uh, no funny story how I met Jason. First off, he plays in the, the, or he did play in the big game at MGM when they had it for PLO. So he knew a lot of the same same guys I knew. And uh, I was at a Michigan game. And uh, funny story, I had a friend, uh, a lot of people know, Craig Varnell. He, he's, you know, a local grinder. Uh, Is he from Michigan? No, he's not from Michigan, but he's a huge Michigan fan. Like, his dad grew up a big Michigan fan. He grew up in Colorado, but he just 
grew up being a Michigan fan. And forever is on his bucket list was to go see the Michigan play. Okay. So he came visit me in Michigan. We went to go uh, watch a Wolverines game. And for some reason, I don't know what happened with the tickets and the scanners, but there was some issue where like uh, they like scanned our ticket twice and like me and my buddy couldn't get in. So I told him to go with my other friend, just go in, you know, we'll just, I'm going to hang out with my friend at tailgate. It's fine. We'll meet you up after the game. Like it was weird. We couldn't get in. So we're at tailgating right across the stadium, just hanging out. And that's when I ran into Koontz. Okay. Koontz was like, hey, Kata. And I didn't know who he was. And I came over. I'm like, who's this guy? And I, I just started to go talk to him. It's like, who do you know that, you know, lives here? And like, I guess his buddy owned both properties, like right across the stadium. And yep. they were just renting the house. And I told him the whole story. And he's like, you need some tickets? And he whipped out a bunch of tickets, all like front row, like VIP tickets. Like he had like 10 of them. He's like, oh, I don't use these. Like, if you want them, go on. And I'm like, really? You're just giving me like person you don't even know front row tickets so like wow. these tickets are like super expensive and he's like oh yeah go ahead he's like i can get in anytime i want i'm like who are you and then <laughs> sure enough like we just kind of just became friends and then he's like oh you're going to the bahamas and then we ended up on the same flight taking the same limo swapping action just i don't know now we're now we're friends he's one of those guys yeah he's just like a yeah. positive energy good things yeah. happen be around just genuine uh, it's i've it's it's funny too because how i met him was through a mutual friend and i had an old card collection and someone called him we were talking so just a random story and got on the phone and i was back home visiting like a year ago and then they're like why don't it was like 10 at night and i was home visiting my parents and my wife was with me and my buddy was like why don't we just take your cards over he lives like 30 minutes away i was like really i, I went home got all my stuff drove it over he looked at everything I was like yeah this is worth like you know, it was my life collection he's like yeah it's probably worth like 500 bucks i had thousands of cards and like you know whatever and then i saw his stuff and then i realized so much like poker yeah he's a he's a really he's a great guy and loves michigan and and it's a fun industry that stuff but i I was curious if you collected it was funny because when we were tailgating it was kind of loud i'm like what was your name i put in my phone he's like uh jason coons and i'm like jason coon he's like yeah coons and so forever i had my phone jason coon right man that's kind of weird and then I realized it's Koontz after watching the, the whole broadcast of the PCA. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely confusing for for viewers with uh, Jason Kuhn being a legend. That guy Craig Barnell too. I know he's he's a very good player. I think he's at a HyperX final table as we speak. The one from yeah, Choctaw, uh, which Choctaw. yeah, I you know what's funny? I'd never gone to Choctaw. I went there. Um, the like one of the years, maybe two three two thousand sixteen, and. It was a sick tournament, really good value, and I played with him, and we got down. I got down to like twelve. It was like one of those thousand, you know, big field, big, big, good thing. And I got, I got yeah. He ended up final tabling again because he knocked me out in twelfth, like ace king yeah, to sevens, river ace, and I remember it. But I was short. Same thing. Should have had more chips, um, but he knocked me out, and and now I see him back there at that final table in that same place. It's kind of funny how people seem to do well in certain areas. Like they just feel confident, they run good, they just something about it. Where I, I have Montreal used to be mine. Uh, I just lost boat to River Royal flush but you know certain places you I use that. That sick. certain places you know you feel comfortable and you run good at but it's all good um sweet so let's keep taking questions that was a very elaborate answer and that's a great hand that's a very cool hand and way of thinking about it um uh how do you prepare for the most important poker event you will look at for the second title do you do you do you do anything do you have a routine mind coach stuff do you meditate do you work out before you play do you like to be on time what's your like general tournament uh rundown uh, I mean, I, I would always prefer to be on time. There's, there's a lot of times I late red just for different reasons. But, uh, yeah, I try to get there on time when I can. Uh, I don't really have anything in particular that I do differently for preparation for tournaments I'm going to play or tournaments I'm looking forward to. 
I guess just, I don't know, take it easy the night before. I never really do anything, go too hard. Um, I don't know, I guess I, I just been playing poker my whole life. I, I don't really, nothing really changes. So I guess it's just part of the daily routine, really. And like you said, I, we all have those places where we run good. And I don't know what I'm going to do next year when they tear down the Rio. Yeah, man, that's you might have to put sign a I petition. Know, I have to retire from poker, you know, that's the only spot I got. Unbelievable. Um, someone else asking about you seem very relaxed at the tables. You don't seem tilted. Do you, how do you measure your tilt? Do you do anything like do you have any tricks or I, I, would you say you handle um, kind of beats and, and tilt well? Like, do you have any tricks on that? Or if you get if you're running really bad, do you do do you do you like do you take a break? Do you step away? Do you just kind of accept it? I mean, I'm sure we've all had it. There's all spots yeah, and things where you get I upset. Think all, I think we've all lost our mind in poker one way or another, and including myself, I'm guilty. But I think live is much different for me. It also helps just you know the history of uh, live poker for me and just the results I had and. I think it all comes down to like just prior past tournament experience of me being short stacked or me having friends being short. I had a buddy, my friend Dean Hammer, he had one ante with like 80 some players left. He won a bracelet. I remember that. He, He's got that club in Lansing, right? Uh, uh, something on the river, ace on the he river. Did, yeah, he, he did. That's when charity poker rooms actually existed in Michigan. But not anymore. They're like non-existent. But uh, anyway, it's just coming back from the dead so many times and just knowing that like it's never about like how many chips you have it's just about how you know how it ends and uh, as you think just having that perspective online it's a little bit different because i think i i get tilted i'm the type of person i get tilted more in the fact of not in terms of dollar or significant spots of losing it's more of just like repetitive loss so say if i play heads up and i lose like 12 matches in a row I'll start losing my shit, like just losing that many times in a row or losing that many hands in a row. I think it's more of just like the poking aspect of just keep getting poked over and over and over and losing, losing, losing. That's kind of when, when I kind of lose my grasp. But when I play online, like I take, I take breaks. Like if I'm not mentally there, like if I lose, if I lose a few buy-ins or something like that, and I don't think I'm playing well, I, I just break. I take a break, walk away, maybe day off, maybe come back. Like uh, just the other day I was, I was playing at the MSBT and my buddy's like, oh yeah, so-and-so said you quit him the other day playing heads up. I'm like, dude, I quit people all the time playing heads up. If I'm losing and, you know, they're up a few buy-ins on me and they have the momentum, it's like, all right, I'll play a different day. Right. I mean, I'm never the guy to hit and run. Like, if I'm winning, I let the sessions go and I, I kind of, that's how I do really well in mine. I kind of really um, cut the losses and, you know, do well when I'm, you know, keep playing when I'm doing well. That's awesome. Well, and uh, PLO, you like PLO more than Hold'em? I mean, I, I love the 10K, the 25 this summer. I want to play the 25K PLO. Those are ones you don't miss. You play those ones, right? The PLO live, yeah. WSOPs? Yeah, I play the PLO ones. I, I think I like uh, cash game PLO better. I think I like tournaments uh, Hold'em better. Just because, I don't know, like, just the whole tournament aspect of PLO, it's, there's certain spots, especially around the bubble, that's just like, agonizing unless you have all the chips like if you're like short on the bubble on plo it's like the absolute worst like hold them it's almost manageable but plo it's like you're so handicapped on the bubble or like certain like final tables icm so like plo is just a really different game and tournament strategy than no limit especially with no annies and everything and being eight or nine handed versus your typical shorthanded cash game plo action so I, I think i like tournament hold them better but i like cash game plo better Okay. Poker class three 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 asks on Twitter, what inspires you to play poker? I think uh what inspires me to play poker is just the competition. I've always been a gamer my whole life. Just like I was always into video games. I think a lot of people that's how you get into poker almost uh, trans transpires some from some competitive source, whether it be sports or 
video games. And it was just kind of like that for me. It was just a final way, a different way to compete. And you're just using your mind versus someone else's really. And just best man wins. What do you think about Twitch? What do you think about YouTube content? Do you have any interest in streaming? Would you consider that? What do you think for the game overall? Do you, how do you feel on that when you see people doing vlogs um, or on Twitch? Like, do you think it's good, bad, indifferent? And, and how do you, what about you personally? Uh, I love Twitch. Twitch is like, I'm probably on more Twitch than most people. Um, I wanted to actually eventually start streaming. I, I've been saying it for the last like year or so. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I keep finding excuses, and I think I might start when I get back from the World Series this year. Uh, just streaming, like me playing online, me playing some video games, just like you know, interacting with people that want to interact, and um, I think it'll be fun. I, I I I really enjoy video games, watching video games, and just even playing poker. And I watch your stream from time to time, and other people's stream. And I'm always watching poker too, the Tritons and other streams and Twitch. And I'm always trying to learn and see what other players are doing and other professionals and just seeing their, how they're playing certain hands. And it's, it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. It is fun. That would be awesome if you did it. I would love to um, help out with that. And especially if Michigan gets legal in the, the Michigan, it would be pretty cool to have some of those sites, to having having bigger stuff with the great software. Um, that, that would be a lot of fun. Make Help me go back home a little more often as well. I, I miss being home. Um, what is uh, Who's the greatest poker player of all time for you? What does that mean to you? Greatest poker player of all time? I have, I have no idea who that, what that answer is. That's like one of those... Like poker is one of those things that's so tough to answer because you don't know who's playing what, when they're playing, how much they're playing, uh, you know, how much people are buying for. Like they're, I mean, there's just yeah. tournaments. It's it's too hard. I mean, you have people where you, you kind of look up to or you that you think are really good, but I mean, it's all hearsay. It's all everyone's you know point of view. It's almost arguing who's the best in a certain sport versus different eras. It's like yeah, it's impossible yeah. to for sure. The variance is crazy too in those spots and winning flips or running and, and some of these guys that have like the God run on and you know, they just, you, yeah, they're like probably, they're great players, but are they better than the other? The, yeah. It's like, thing, it's like, you look at these guys, it's like, I've known some people online, even like as I moved up through the stakes of do two, four and five, ten growing up, it's like, there's these guys that are playing two, four that I almost thought were much better than me. And I would go to advice, but they just refuse to go to the next level. They, they don't want to, you know, play for that type of risk. Like, Hey, we're making this kind of money here. What's the need of, and I, I can, I can relate in the sense of like, where I almost don't want to make the next jump to like, I can never, even if I made the made event final table, like two more years in a row, I, I can't see myself ever playing those striking games or those big games. Like it's just like, it takes a different type of person and a different mentality of just uh, what you're gunning for in life and what you're trying to accomplish in life and your goals. And it's just, it's, it's too hard to say because you just don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, I have my favorite poker players, the guys that, you know, that I like a lot and like watching and characters that are fun for the game and stuff. Yeah. So. Give me a couple of those. Like, who do you who do you even back in the day or who do you uh, like to who do you tune in for if you see they're playing or you just kind of like think it's fun to watch, whether they're they're talkative or the style like who, who are a couple that you just enjoy to, to watch? Uh, or you have? I like Shulman a lot. I think uh, I like he makes it enjoyable to watch the broadcast. Uh, um, just seems like a real down to earth, cool guy. It's, you know, so I like Nick Shulman a lot, just like listening to him. And just, uh, I don't know, I think Phil Locke has always been entertaining. I'm not saying he's like one of the best players, but I just, I don't know. There's certain players that I just like grow to like, like over the years, like that are just like good gentlemen guys. Like I've always got along with you. You're a mission guy too. And then, uh, I don't know. Like well, everyone you. always talks crap about Helmuth, but, uh, 
I'm not saying his antics on the table are the greatest, but I don't know. I think he's just a good, genuine dude. And, he is. Know. Helmuth gets a crazy rap, some of the stuff just in general. I mean, he, you know, but he's, he, he says he wasn't really social growing up. He didn't, whatever. And like, you know, he's, he's, he's enjoying it where he's at and he's using his stuff and he's, yeah. he's a, he's got a big heart. He's crazy. That he does some stuff, but he never, really is a genuinely great guy. That guy has never rubbed me the wrong way. Even through his antics, like he's, he just always seems like a good guy when I run into him, like in poker, like. Absolutely. Always. I agree with that. I don't know. There, I, I, you know, uh, Mateos is always impressed. I never really even talked to the guy, but I mean, there's all type of killers out there that are just, you know, but I, I remember doing a couple of hand commentaries of like his heads up and it almost seemed like he was playing with the whole cards face up. Like I just put myself in his position. I'm like, wow, this is a really tough spot. And he got put into so many tough spots and it seemed like every tough spot he made the right decision. I'm like, this guy's incredible. And yeah. uh, I don't know. There's, I mean, I could go on and on name right. and name. I'm forgetting a ton of them, but. No, that's a, that's good. That's good. No, it just comes to mind. I mean, of course there are. And Phil Locke may stream on Twitch. I've been talking with him about it. Same kind oh, of thing. He's been interested. That would be. I mean, he would break the internet. Whatever he's playing. I mean, can you imagine him playing Fortnite or uh, Grand Theft Auto or any game with his goggles on or poker? Like it would be. I would. I would be tuning in for that. No matter what. It's nice and enjoyable. I'm sitting at the table. I just have a good time when he's at my table. I laugh like play with him in high stakes where you know it's not didn't even seem like we're playing nosebleeds because he's at the table making it fun so yeah he's those kind of players he's great man i love phil um who okay what was the feeling moments before winning your first ever bracelet did your heart almost explode and do you work with a mental coach ask him please someone's asking so what do you remember when you won like what was that i mean it's got to be just like out of body like electric how was that the biggest feeling i remember is like the relief it was all over like it wasn't excitement. It wasn't anything. It was like, thank God it's over. Like no more thinking, no more like pressure, no more. Like I can just go to bed. Like it's so late. Like I haven't slept in the last like 10 days. It's yeah, probably like, last three months, right? Like that feeling of going every, home every November night, 9, right now, you're like. Every night I'm either having a nightmare, like I'm taking first or I'm taking last. Like every time I went to bed, it was like, I was playing the main event in my head. It's so like, you couldn't not to. It's. Just for two months, you're anticipating the final table and you're like, man, how do I sleep at night? So it was more of just like, thank you, it's over. You know, I just want to go back home and just go back to my lifestyle and just, you know, it's almost like I want to, you know, shut everyone away for a second, just turn off my phone. Did, how much studying did you do? Did you run like, did you set up the table with all the blinds and do practice with friends, any of that stuff or not really? No, I just kept playing online, really. Uh, I just kept grinding MTTs. I actually... Uh, I won a W, uh, I think a scoop second chance during that time. I was over in uh, Europe and I think I won a 1K for like 150 or 140K online. So that was a nice score I had in, in between the, the final nine. But I just continued to play online. I didn't really do too much studying. At that point in time, I was so confident. Like I felt like I was literally on the top of the online world. Like I was willing to play anyone heads up at those stakes, like online. I was willing to play anyone. So it was like kind of sit down and play me. I had a very big ego when I was 21. So it was much different than today. Like back then I thought I was one of the best today. It's like, I don't even think I'm close. So it was a much different time then. Shit, that's crazy. Yeah, it's that's crazy to think like that because I mean there is so many amazing players out there, but also the numbers are up everywhere. You see new series popping up. Party Poker does the Millions Tour. You know, there's the EPTs. There's 
other stuff. There's MSPTs. I mean, there's so much poker to play, and these numbers just seem to be going up everywhere. So the online, you could argue, it's getting tougher. There's this and that, but like the reality is, poker's not going anywhere. And like it could be big card five or whatever five. What do you call it? Big five or five uh, yeah. five card PLO. There's PLO. There's short deck now. I mean, people like to gamble or get some form of gambling cards is like to me it's just so it's such a beautiful game you challenge it keeps the mind sharp you can you could play 10 cent one cent two cent or you could play higher if you want and it's uh it's a really it's an amazing game and it's just not going anywhere i just think it's a matter of the second biggest what second biggest main event in this last year or something and the only reason there was a bigger one that was when they had all the satellites where you know full tilt stars party poker that's when they were running satellites nonstop online that was james gold's year right that was the only bigger year i think yeah 2006 i think because we were looking looking at that for the 10 mil or 100 million 10k we we're trying to see how that would work or how it could be done and it was i think 88,700 and something so it was you know that was the biggest that was pretty sick and yeah i don't know i mean I definitely i wish did. i wish the short deck was like uh, a smaller buy-in this year like uh the 10k might keep me from playing it like it doesn't seem like they make uh introduce a new game they should kind of make it a little bit more friendly for people to pick up almost yeah, it's a little strange. They just they, they could throw in another one, like a have a have a one k or make it a five k. It's I think interesting. That'd be fun for everyone. Yeah, that's it. Kind of hard for people to jump in at that steep price. Yeah, and just take take a take a guess on it. Um, your biggest win from poker, we already know that the mid WC main event. Um, do you? Would you rather play one live one or two online, like of equal value? Do you like online more or or, or live? Do you consider it as more your game? Uh, I think. Uh, I think I have a better edge live. Um, it's tough. I like playing both. I, I really do enjoy playing both. There's benefits to both. I like being home all the time. I like just being able to play a lot of tables, being put to the decision and constantly thinking all the time. Live's a little bit slower, really mundane almost, like you're just waiting and it's a very patient game. And just uh, that's another thing. I think a lot of these online players like playing with a HUD nonstop all the time. You go play live and you don't have that HUD. It's like you're not having that extra tool for decision making and also just the willingness to be patient playing one table is something that you really have to adjust to the lie because it's really easy to get impatient you're like oh man i haven't played a hand in two hours these guys have to believe me but also you just pick a really crap hand to do it with yeah i i would say online too i i think i i struggle a lot um, sometimes too many tables. I play much better with one or two, which makes sense. But some people are built to do six, 12, 15 without any, any change. I think playing on Twitch too, it's a little hard to like, you have that counts as like sort of a several tables. I don't know the exact conversion because you're following the chat. You're trying to explain talk. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit crazy, but I, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the no HUD stuff go on. Um, some other yeah, questions. I never been back to the point where like, before the Black Friday, it was like, you know, full tilt. You could enter some of these tournaments like four times. So you could be playing the same tournament four times, like multiple entries. So it's like, then you got stars, then you got this site. So MTTs, you're like struggling to, you know, it's hard not to play like 16 to 20 tables at a time. But now it's like with me not playing on stars and just playing the U.S. sites and not playing on party poker, it's really tough for me to get up to those high table amounts. Like, there's not enough tournaments really for the sites I plan to ever get to that limit of where I'm pushing that threshold. Yeah, make, yeah, definitely. What is your favorite online tournament format? Mm, I think six max, uh, probably rather six max tournament, probably my favorite format. I, I would have to say, um, yeah, I think six max is, just, I think my favorite just because I played the most cash games in that. I just like a little bit shorter handed. Um, 
And someone else asking, where do you get your motivation for the game after winning the WSOP main event? Do you have a goal or are you just playing for the game itself? Do you have a, do you see yourself like you trying to chase Helmuth for bracelets? Do you have uh, any total certain winnings? You just love poker. Do you have any kind of goals or things you, you want to achieve in particular? I mean, do you have any set stuff or just play it and you love it? No, I, yeah, I just kind of play and love it. I try to stay away from the goal setting just because it can really burn you out. It can really force you to do things you don't really want to do or comfortable doing. So, like, uh, even, like, with the whole player of the year run I had last year, I didn't go to Europe and go play just because, I don't know, it's never been about bracelets or player of the year. It's more about just enjoyment of life. You know, we all grow old quick, and I've played my enough, my enough share of poker, and I've almost played too much. Just when I was younger, I... I really used to abuse certain things like Adderall when I was younger and skip every another night of sleep sometimes and just play for long, hefty hours. And, you know, like my teenage years and my younger, like 10 years ago, it's like poker really consumed me. So I, now it's like, now that I have the option of, you know, you know, having the success, I don't need to continue to waste all my hours or every day playing poker. It just seems like there's more things to do. Absolutely. What? Uh, which bracelet is the most important of the four? I mean, it's, uh, obviously, I think your first one, the 10K, and winning the main as 21, that's got to be it. So let's just take the second part of that question. How was the feeling of making the final table of the main last year? How did that differ? And what was the what was the biggest difference between the three-month preparation versus just rolling right into it? How, which one do you prefer, and what was the biggest difference in that? I like the... I wish it was almost a mix of both. I almost wish it was like almost like two days off to the final table. I like playing through though. I really enjoyed that because you kind of just, you stay in the mix of the game. You stay in the, the whole dynamic of, you know, playing with the players, uh, what they think of you. You don't have that time off. Things don't change as much. So I like the continuous play. This year was, it was so much different because it was such, it seemed like the first year I, I didn't really have anything to relate it to. It was my first year playing the main. I started off super high. It just seemed like I coasted and it just seemed so easy. Like it, it, there wasn't much struggle to it. And I, I didn't have all those years of busting out of the main and all that failure before that. So this year was really, uh, it was a lot different. It was a much different experience being on the final table. And uh, and also I, majority of my hands were covered this year and you know people knew who I was compared to when I was 21. So a lot of the hands are more scrutinized and there's a lot more hands on TV that I'm playing. There's, it was kind of weird because the way I started off the main this year, it's like you start with 50K in chips and I have so much different action. You know how it is. You have different pieces there, buying different pieces there, have horses. So after the first day, it's like I was down to like 10K in chips at one point and I have horses that have 150K, 180K action over here. And then day two and day three, it's like, okay, all of a sudden my horses start losing chips and I start gaining chips. And next thing you know, it's like well, on day five or day six, I'm the last butt alive for myself. And it's just weird because I had like 8K in chips. And I'm like, I thought I was going to be someone else's year. And it was just kind of just like grind, grind, and just, you know, pick up some hands here and there. And I just played the short stack mostly. Uh, Kunti's messaging on the side. He's saying, how pumped were you in Kunt's final table? And did you have a piece? We know that. We had a little taste there. How, how exciting was that? Because, I mean, that was a big purse. That was similar to the main event. Dude, I get more excited when other people final table. Like when I have friends in it, it's just so fun, like sharing that experience with other people and just uh, watching other people, you know, share that same experience. So I was so excited for him, and hopefully we make uh, 
more of these final tables, you know. We, we already talked about all the trips, so hopefully uh, me and Coots and you and others just keep doing this shit. Are you going to be – yeah, man. It's just – the summer, this one just feels – I think this will be my least playing, but I, I feel the most excited. And, yeah, I think maybe it could even work to my advantage just coming in and out. I also start a little – I'm trying to work on starting earlier. I think starting early is very important, especially in, like, the lower limit buy-ins, getting there when you're deeper stacked and, and getting to play. People are making – the guys that are making massive mistakes, you get to grab some of those chips and get a head start. Um, I think it matters a lot, and that's something – the last few years i've been kind of uh taking on a little too much with the vlogging some other stuff getting there a little later and i really want to sort of tweak that and get back to like be there early you know yeah. be there right at the start and, and i think that's important in these this, this year I'm, i kind of like that's a good thing about state kings this year it's like so many tournaments in the past and prior years where i'm just like i wake up i'm like do i want to play this 1500 do i want to play this 500 i wait a couple days to play this 5k instead this is gonna be the most poker i'm gonna play this summer by far like uh Selling action, all this uh, five ten percent, and all these tournaments that's going to force you to play all these events. And then there's this other league that Matt uh, Waxman created. Yep, I'm not sure if you know Matthew Waxman. He's one of my uh, very close friends. He's one of my original guys in poker, like him, Tim Begley, McLean Carr. I mean, I've known Waxman forever. Cool guy in poker. Yeah, I know yeah. him very well. He's a great guy, and this is a very ambitious project, which I I think it's it's cool. Hopefully, that works well. Yeah. It should so be I, fun. It's it's really cool for him to even invite me and be part of it. I like the whole team aspect. So, uh, uh, just the whole league and this whole thing in general with Matt is going to be playing that on the side and all these tournaments. It's going to be really fun this summer. That's yeah, no, it's that's great. Uh, what's it? Do you, do you have any books? Did you read any? Like, I, I I checked out the theory of poker when I started. Do you have any um, books that you like or would recommend for people? I mean, now it's sort of more software. There's these programs people use to study and stuff. But is there any books that you read or that you like or think are valid that would be valuable for someone to read or to check out? No, I I wouldn't say I got any of my uh, or. I didn't really learn too much from books. I think my biggest learning tool was uh, card runners back in the day. Just uh, watching those videos and watching some of the better players. It was kind of funny as as I climbed the stakes and eventually, you know, started playing all these heads up. It's like some of these guys that are making the videos I find myself playing against. And I've watched like 20 plus hours of their streams and videos and mindset and leg up I had on all that after playing these guys. It's, I don't know, it kind of makes me nervous of ever making videos and instructional videos just in case that ever happens but it was a much different day back then people didn't hold back either when the instructional videos first came out not saying they do now but yeah that makes sense lady floppy asking how do you see the role of women in poker world do they have the same benefits and opportunities as men what's your thoughts on the women out there and why maybe so women haven't it hasn't still not gotten so popular for women I think the biggest reason why it hasn't become most powerful for women is just, I guess, the intimidation factor. Uh, women, you know, us, at least some women sitting down and playing with guys, the intimidate, just, you know, being what they, not knowing what to expect, what being judged or what guys think of them. And uh, I know my girlfriend, like, she feels totally comfortable playing online, playing on her own, you know, grinding, but it was her first time sitting down live and she didn't know what people were going to think of her or judge her or you know that that factor of it i think is a little bit overwhelming for women yeah, it's a little predatorial ish too i mean it's like in general especially when it's just so skewed dominated by men that you know girls at the table they're gonna get hit on they're gonna get looked at differently the guys you know it's kind of, it's it's it can be you're kind of you're outnumbered there's a lot of times you're gonna be a woman you'll be the only one there at the table yeah. and it can be a little bit scary too um in that in that sense um how has the main event changed your life winning the main uh, i think it just uh changed my life in the way of just um 
I don't really have to grind as much poker as I used to. Um, stress is a lot lower, you know. When you're when you're making that full commitment for poker, it's like you don't know what the outcome is ever going to be. Like, uh, I mean, I've always had a good like fundamental like safety background, and like I've always had good bankroll management. But just that lifelong like goal of like what am I going to do next, and it's kind of like kind of fills that a little bit, not completely per se, but it's just kind of leg up in a lot of ways uh, of knowing that I'll be more financially stable for for my life. What what are your, what are your thoughts on crypto in general? Do you believe in long term? Are you a advocate? Do you feel any any type of feeling on it at all? Um, I've always kind of dabbled around in the crypto market and the crypto fields for a while. It's it's tough to say. I'm not an expert. And, um, it's just like anything else, I guess, in life. Uh, investment opportunities. Uh, when it's good to invest, when it's not. Uh, I think there's benefits to crypto. Of course, I mean it makes the game we play a lot easier in the market. Like it's. The thing, the games and the stakes and the websites I play on wouldn't be possible for without crypto. I know playing on Bravada and Ignition and ACR, it's, just, it's almost impossible without you know using Bitcoin. And yeah. they actually help solve a lot of problems. So when something's solving problems, I know there's a benefit to it. And that was kind of why I put a decent amount of money in uh, or left money in Bitcoin for a while. And I've had a lot of success in the crypto market, thankfully. But uh, I don't know, I, I'm not an expert, so for well, I know it could totally go down the, the pipe, but you know, I have some I have some invested in the crypto, but yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, I'd agree with that. It's, it's definitely conducive for poker for that kind of market. It makes it easy as well with some swaps, transfers, getting people into stuff easily, quickly, not have, you know, it, it's definitely very relevant for what we do and it serves a good, good purpose. Um, at what age, when did you know you could make a living playing poker? I know you talked about this, you were playing online, you put in 50 bucks, um, already it wasn't like you know so it wasn't like the main event happened oh i can do this now you're already a professional already right i mean you were doing it you were staked you had a role you had other stuff going on i mean it wasn't the main event so what year when was it when you were like all right this is actually what i'm gonna do probably when i was about 16 or 17 was when i really knew that i was i was going to be doing poker for most of my life just because it really started kicking off when i was like 16 or 17 when i was 18 i was able to buy my house in cash and pay it off. And and I still had a lot, a lot of money at the time. So, I mean, before I was even 20 years old, I probably made, you know, 700, 750K playing poker. Um, so it was, it was one of those things I always felt really, at first when I was really winning money, I mean, I didn't quit my busboy job till I made six figures. Like I was, Bus boy, what year was that? I was 14, 15, 16, 17. Where were so, you busting at? I was busting for four years. It was called The Gathering Place. And uh, I remember I'd go and make 100, 120 bucks a night and then come home and wear or lose like a couple thousand. At some point, I'm just like, I just had to sit down and have that talk with my mom. I'm like, mom, I can't keep going to this job. You know, it's I'm making, I'm making 100, 200 bucks a night and I'm coming home and losing a few thousand. It just doesn't seem. I, I kept that job for so long just to, for my mom's sake. You know, I have the job, let me play my cards, you know, kind of just get off my back type thing. But after a while, it's like I made so much money, I, I couldn't see myself keep going back to the, to work. So I finally told my job it was time to go and I just kept playing poker and then eventually bought a house and just really, really started grinding when I was in my own house and playing all the time nonstop. 
Do you get recognized a lot, and do people stop you, whether it's at sporting events in Michigan or, at, I mean, obviously at casinos and stuff, it's different, right? Because, I mean, you're the, you won the main event, and people playing poker, they're going to know who you are, but, like, do you get, do you find yourself out at the store getting stopped sometimes still? Was it a lot then? More so, how does that work? Do you ever get, think, you ask for uh, autographs, that type of deal? It was a lot after I first won, of course. It was kind of weird, too, like, especially going to different countries and being recognized. Like, I would be in England, and all of a sudden I had the airport, and someone come up to me. I'm like, well, this is this is really weird, being across the world and getting recognized. Like, you know, you really see that poker is like a worldwide game. Like, everyone follows it. So that was kind of really interesting, you know, getting recognized in Spain and Europe at first when I first won. But uh, then it cooled off for a while, you know. Um, I'm not a huge face in poker. But then after this last year, the whole television thing, it, it became big again. And I get recognized in, like you said, like like sporting places where there's like a big mass pop, like public. You know, one one person's bound to recognize me. And then once that person recognizes me, it's kind of like, oh, why is that person asking a picture with that person? So, right. I, I guess like sports games is like the biggest thing. And then other than that, like poker rooms or casinos, I, like walking in the store or the mall or movies or wherever, never really just really rare maybe sometimes the bar the bar is like where people are more open to come up right. to you will come up to you and so makes sense all right we're, we're gonna take two more here then we're gonna do the giveaway we're gonna let joe run we really appreciate his time let's finish these last couple questions that was my buddy bryce baker came in the chat or in the background legends kind of walked in like a phantom i saw you sneak in there so he's in he knows he knows joe he knows poker um we're gonna take a couple more we'll do the this retweet giveaway they've changed how it works guys so i'm not sure really how i'm gonna copy paste this let me ask this last couple questions we'll get that out it's still not too late to be eligible they changed it on me man i hope we can do it we're gonna try it i i had a little trouble with this the other day uh we do have action joe joe has action up on state kings i'm gonna buy a piece today i'm actually gonna buy it right right now which one should i buy joe let's do this together what should i fire in oh the 10k super this is always a bid it's a bid amount yeah so they're doing uh i was talking to state kings um i was talking about auctioning off 10 percent of my whole series but they rather do five percent and uh auction off five percent of the whole package and then do an auction of five percent of individual tournaments so i am selling for the 50k at i think even money or one i mean if 1.03 on there but uh i think everything else is auction i don't even know what kind of price you can get for things right now honestly i don't know i, I just I, clicked, I, have, I have no idea what i'm going for so you i could, just clicked in I on something at even money for all i know honestly you could be buying my world series package at even money i have no idea i have no idea what i just did but i, I just put a hundo down on the 10k i hope it comes through on that super turbo that's a fun one too i don't want to miss um let's do this last one let's get these thing let's ask this last question we're coming in on two hours which is long but i feel like we could go we could go longer but that's this is guys this is we're gonna joseph repeats michigan man he's a great guy give him a follow on instagram Twitter, all the good stuff. He says he doesn't really tweet anymore, though, so maybe more Instagram. We have his page up yeah. here. Maybe uh, they change the rules eventually where you don't need your email. Right. I mean, I have get, my name and password. Come on. If you get your account back, that would definitely – that could help. Uh, what is your – the worst beat you never forget that you uh, – even though you want to. I know you told me the Aces, Kings, the Kings. Kings. That sounds the like Kings. it. Oh, I won't forget that one. That's. That, that, I think that's it. The Kings, uh, I was 18 years old, party poker, million-dollar tournament, and – down like the final 20 people and I got in with Aces the two people I've been kings that's, and I lost that's insane alright I copied this page we're gonna give two thirty-three dollar tickets I don't even know how this works anymore guys so just bear with me I'm gonna paste uh, just tell me when Joe I'm gonna put this in there alright go ahead boom there's one so oh. loading 
All right, someone just won, it looks like. I don't know. This is Class 333 Poker. You just won a $33 ticket. That worked. I don't know how to redo it. Let me see if I can refresh, and it'll work. Let's tell me tell me when again. One. Boom. Let's see if I can re. Let's see if I can do it again here. Oh, yeah. See, maybe I just put it in here. All right, we'll count that as a win. Let's paste. My mouse is getting freezy. We're closing it on two hours. Let's paste. And so... See, it already, it's it's doing the same person again. I guess I have to, like, close it. Technology's hard, man. It is hard. I, I, just, just like when they had it perfectly, they change it. Now nothing works. Let me see if we can do this again. Tweet, draw. You ever done these things, these retweet, these giveaways? You ever seen this? No, but I, I'm, I'm in the mood to give away something right now. You're in the mood to give away something? Yeah, you can give away something for me. What should I give away? Wow, a, a, a ghosty giveaway. We could just call it ghosty giveaway and see. Let me give this pace for the second. All right, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, I, I closed it. I did it again. They're not letting me give away something else, man. How about this? I'll, I'll get, oh, you, you can't give anything away. I was going to say I'll give away a, a, a 3% free roll in my first tournament, the 10K Hyper. You're giving away a 3% free roll on the 10K. That's like, that's a lot. That's 300 yeah. In equity, probably worth more. You're probably like a 2.0 in there or something. It's like 600. We'll call it 500. This is a big giveaway, and we can't, and, our sh- and it doesn't work. So uh, we're going to get it. I'm going to find a way to make it work. I'm going to give it away. Um, let me try this again. Let me just do this. I'm going to do it again. Can I hit draw? Joe, why is technology hard, man? I'm really, this is like, let me see. Let me, I'm clicking draw. This is crazy. All right, we're going to, you know what we're going to do? Fucking a Joe. I mean, but it's it's just hard. All right, we're gonna do that. I'm gonna we're gonna do a 300. We're gonna give three percent away. I am gonna figure out how it works, and I will. You don't. You, can you see Twitter? Do you get to look at it? Or you just yeah, can't I go can, in there. I'm, trust me, I, I'm I'm a little hidden guy on Twitter. Like when you were bringing up the whole like Negreanu and the police, the market police, I was kind of just giggling because I was reading all that recently. I, I have been. I don't go on Twitter that often, but every so often I like seeing what's going on on there, what people are talking about. So yeah, I, I go on there. Sneak um, on my brother's Twitter that's signed on my computer. All right, no, here's what we're gonna do. You know what we're gonna do? Because I know how to do this. This is we're gonna. This is gonna be way better. This is gonna be way better. So that one we just gave away one. Uh, we gave away one because it's not a rush. The tournament doesn't start tomorrow. Um, so we're gonna give three percent, which is super, super ridiculously generous of the 10k turbo for Joe Kata. We're gonna do it on my Twitch show tomorrow night because I know I can do it from there. It'll be at the end of the show. I'm giving away sixteen hundred and fifty dollars as well, cash out of my score from the KO series. We'll do it at the end. We're gonna you're gonna have to type in Joe Kata. We'll do a special keyword for that, and that will be at the end. So whoever's on my Twitch stream tomorrow, we'll do that, we'll, we'll, and I'll let you know, Joe, who will get the information, let you know who wins, but there'll be a lot of people, that'll be more people, it'll be more fun, and if you're around or you're grinding tomorrow, you said you might play online, you know, I can send you a message I'll and let in. you know that it's going down, maybe we get you on the phone, actually, and let you click it live, that'd be fun, if, uh, if you're not at anything or winding down, I'll message you if you're free, I'll let you do it, if not, I'll just do it, and then we'll let you know who gets it tomorrow night, how about that? Sounds good. So we'll do that. We're going to pick one more winner from the retweet since it's not working as well. We'll do that tomorrow, guys. Thank you for watching. This is Mr. Joe Cotta, the legend, two-time main event final table participant, one-time winner in 2009 at 21 years of age, four World Series bracelets. He's from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. We got a big, big, uh, long way to go to catch him, but it's not a race. We have, there's enough room for everyone to do well. I know Ryan Reese, I'd like to get him on here as well. Ryan Reese also uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Huh? 
So my boy, Ryan. Yeah, he's got a uh, impressive resume. You guys are going head to toe on on wins and big scores. Pretty crazy, man. You guys are, are doing. Uh, he, he's on a cruise. He already cruised past me, and there's no looking back from him now. Unless I find a table this shit again. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like at that level, it can it can fluctuate, but you guys are definitely uh, you got a nice battle going down there. I saw Dan Heimiller just like popped in and called himself Michigan now. So I was number three. And then I, he just like, let me take a look at this before we close off here. You know, do you, do you realize is he he born there or something like I just I don't know if you follow that or you, I'm sure you've looked at the list before, but he was he just came in out of nowhere. Yeah, no, I, I saw him on that list before. I, I feel like I mentioned to him, I played him with him in the closer, I think, this last year in the closer, and I was talking to him about if where he's originally from, or I think. So I, I remember seeing like the Michigan list before, and I thought his name popped up on there before. No, he he was never Michigan until maybe a few months ago. Because I remember really? David Baker and I were hmm. battling for three, and then um, then all of a sudden he did because he's got a ridiculous resume as well. This guy's older gentleman, and he's got like double me in third and six million now. So he's uh, he was he was he had a lot of great scores for a while. I haven't really heard of him as much anymore. But either way, Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you for the two hours. This will be on iTunes, Spotify, all the outlets, and we'll wish Joe good luck. We'll have to get dinner at the series catch up. Maybe when Jason's out there as well, we can all get together and. And uh, thank you for the 3% giveaway, which we'll do tomorrow night. Um, and everyone, guys, give him a follow. Check him out. Great guy. Great player. All the best, man. Keep crushing. And uh, we'll see you out in Vegas. Appreciate Joe Cotta, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And we'll we'll be back for a Daniel Negreanu podcast Monday night. He just left Stars. We'll try to get some info on that. And we'll be, uh, we got plenty more podcasts, plenty more action. We got Twitch streams. We got a YouTube video that just released. We're locking the doors, calling a doctor. We're strapped in. We'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.